So when we start the, uh, tell me when we start the, officially the uh, thing, and 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 I'll do a little. Did we ever say that when we started officially? We just keep going. You're doing the intro, Al. Well, not really the intro. I just want to say my little piece at the start. Um... Welcome to the Conquistables. Tonight, the Conquistables enter the Thunderdoom Cage for WCW Super Bowl. Riding the stretcher to the ring tonight. The Enforcer, Phil Doyle. The Natural, Cameron Phillips. The Dragon, Ewan Taylor. And Hot Sauce, Geordie Allen Milburn. Only tonight on The Conquistables. Uh, very well, okay. welcome, welcome um, listeners to uh, another episode of uh, The Conquistables, the greatest um, podcast that never was. So... Uh, two things. One, um, else going on? Well, keep going. Right. <laughs> so this is my rambling for today. Now, what was the well, last one we did? Remember, we did the big event. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. And then we did the wrestling classic or something. And old yep. Alan is always the one defending his old wrestling because used to uh, used three just like perfectly modern stuff or whatever. I don't appreciate the old stuff. Well, mm-hmm. I've got a feeling it's going to be the opposite today because this was atrocious, fucking atrocious, <laughs> right? So we're going to see what defending you guys are going to do today because I, Cameron, I wasn't very well, so I was worried I wouldn't be able to watch it. Oh, I fitted it in. Don't worry, I fitted, uh, you know, all of this twelve abomination of matches. <laughs> At least seven of them could have been Al, if, I could the ju- card. if I could just echo back at you some of them were cut for the VHS release <laughs> yeah, ma- matches because- three to seven they didn't want to yes. pay the bloody rights for um, the Wisdom Oz or something I don't know we'll get into that no, that's the whole point they, as we'll get to they had the rights for the Wisdom Oz yeah, they might have had it for the tape release, you see, so it might have got complicated no, there. Anyway. No, Ted Turner had the rights to the Wizard of Oz. Oh, so he could yeah. have put it on the VHS as well. That's yes, awesome. he, but he I'm just bought the rights. I, I know that bit. I know we, we get into that uh, with a match. But anyway, that's we'll, my introduction. We'll get there. We'll get there. proper introduction. Well, I would say that's very unfair, Al, because I this is my fault this month. <laughs> and... The reason why I chose this show is, well, a selfish reason, um, kind of related to last month's uh, Royal Samovar Trophy chat, where we somehow ended up in mid-90s all Japan. I, I thought to myself, you know what, I, I can get a tenuous link with Japan. I can make sure it's on the network, so it's not upset people. So I <laughs> took us to the Bayfront Sentence in Petersburg, Florida, for WCW Super Brawl 1, Return from the Rising Sun. And after the end of this show, I kind of wish I went back to the Rising Sun. Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Super Brawl 91. You're looking live at the Bayfront Center in St. Petersburg, Florida. Jim Ross and the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes at ringside, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, you're going to see 12 great matches. Four championships will be decided. In 1979, in this very facility, my colleague, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, won the heavyweight championship of the world against Harley Race. I know you spent time this afternoon with Tatsumi Fujinami and with Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Dusty, will we settle the controversy tonight for the world's championship? Well, Jimbo, let me tell you about tonight here in the Bayfront Center. We're talking about the world's heavyweight title. We're talking about WCW 
at its best. Fujinami Flair match up evenly size weight. They've been in wrestling about the same number of years. Well, it doesn't even make sense calling it that because they insinuate it would be in Japan. But it had been in Japan. That was the yeah, first there was a controversial stage. finish. I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah, that was a um, finish, yes. <laughs> it's Florida the Sunshine State, is it? Yes. In the land of the rising sunshine, does that quite well? Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Um, we open up with a, a nice little video package, and we're told that this pay-per-view is available in stereo where available. Um, in hindsight, I kind of wish mono, or not at all for some seconds, but we'll get to that. Don't forget your dark match of um, Mighty Thor defeating El Cubano, who I've no idea who either of them people are, and it doesn't even look... <laughs> I, I had a quick look on Wikipedia, and um, both wrestlers' names are... The, they, they haven't got their Wikipedia page, so who knows who those yes, two fellas exactly, were. Exactly, yeah, I'm that, sure. I had that problem as well. I, I, I could not verify who these people were, which makes me kind of thinking that these are probably, like, local talent given a gimmick for the night. Yeah, or, like, two kind of, you know... Um, Copyright infringing luchadors. That's just one of the many nonsensical things we'll be discussing. Yeah, that, that, is, that is the tip of the iceberg here. So <laughs> we cut to the ring with the world's shittest pyro. I think this is definitely up there in the top the crappest wrestling pyro we've had so far on the show. I think the only one that beats it is the one that nearly killed The Undertaker. <laughs> yes, yeah. This For would being be bad pyro. Actually. Yeah. However, attempting to take out people was um, Brandy Brown, who murdered America the Beautiful for some unknown reason. Don't think Did- it helps by the fact that the network version is obviously like a tape slip halfway through the. Uh, yes, yes, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Star Spangled. <laughs> for I mean, Finley got sacked for less. <laughs> My nose verbatim say, I mean, the verbal assault of, of giving the tape even tries to kill itself more than once during this. <laughs> In its defence now, right, we're, we're coming out the gate very negative about the show, aren't we? Very, very negative. Well, we are piling some hate on right from the start. Like. I refute Alan's comments about not liking old wrestling. I do enjoy old wrestling. And I'm going to come out with a very positive comment about the show straight away. Uh-huh. Are you ready for this? Go on. There's only one ring. Yes! So, already, we're off to a flyer. For WCW shows, we know we're on for a winner because there's one ring only, and that's it. That is, yep. that is very true. Yes. It can, can only go up from here, can't it? Or can it? Can it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the the continuation of the world's shittest pyro display to end America and the Beautiful was not exactly helping with that. But then... We cut to JR and Dusty Rhodes, who appears to be cosplaying a high school football coach. And don't worry, kids, if you're sick of football references, there's going to be a lot more as we go on. <laughs> oh, yes. Wait till Pilman turns off. Oh, fucking hell. Um, sign in the crowd, front row, section D on tour. Don't quite get what that's about, but, you know, whatever. I, I respect that. I don't know what it is, but I respect <laughs> it. Yep. Um, I have no idea what Dusty Rhodes was saying. I think we were almost as bad as last month where... I think I understood half of what Dusty said. The other half of it could have been anything. Could be anything. There's a lot of because I had the um, the subtitles on on the network because I was watching it quietly, and uh, there, there was quite a lot of brackets indistinct whenever he was talking. 
came up an awful lot. <laughs> Seriously. I think he, de- he definitely goes to the Ernie Ladd school of commentary, I feel. <laughs> Thank you. He I does. couldn't remember Ernie Ladd. Yes, he definitely went to the Ernie Ladd school of he does, morning into a microphone. He does drop a couple of good ones. Like, well, I'll mention when we get to it. He does a couple of good ones. But otherwise, it's, it's, it's Dusty, well, I mean, it's Dusty Rhodes. What you, what, you're not hiring, like, you know, a Shakespearean actor with that level of pronunciation if you're bringing Dusty Rhodes onto the mic. You know what I'm well, saying? You know what you're getting, surely. A counterpoint to that, Phil, is the fact that Dusty Rhodes comes up with the following comment at the end of the segment, right here at the Super Bowl. That's that true. That is not the name <laughs> of the show. No. And of course, before we get we go any further, there's a very quick plug for the Wrestling Hotline, where you can pay $1.99 a minute to listen to something. They were shooting that for a long time, weren't they? They were. And that was before Mean Gene got a hold of it and just went to town on it. <laughs> it got used as like a kind of like steroid like dig at the WF at the time, didn't it? Yes, pretty much that's all it essentially was. Yeah. So we get past that, we cut the guy Michael Capetta in the ring, um, looking dapper as always, and our opening match is for the vacant WCW United States Tag Team Championship. It is the Young Pistols, consisting of Tracy Smullis and Steve Armstrong, against the fabulous Freebirds, no, Michael Hayes. No, 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 no. They don't have surnames. Oh, that's right. Sorry. You can't have surnames. It's just good old no. Steve and Tracy. The couple that lives down the road, Steve and Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> Steve and Tracy's. You meet him down local on a Saturday. <laughs> having the lunch special. Let me try that again. So the young pistols of Steve and Tracy against the fabulous free words of Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin with DDP and Big Daddy Dink, which does not sound like a gay porn star. It's I honestly good. thought it was Big Daddy Dick when he first came on. I'm like, <laughs> um... I've been hitting the cowpole too hard. That's who that is, yes. I wrote down, it's an easy joke, but when they came out, I was like, oh, look, it's the smoking guns. Yeah, it could be. Maybe. And I was like, oh. And their music is terrible. It's bad. It's very bad. (laughs) It's a lot of, I mean, a lot of times during the show, there'll be me mentioning how terrible the music is, but this, them coming out, it's like, it's, we've had one ring, it's really good. Here come the kind of, you know, knock-off smoking guns before the smoking guns were around, and they've got mm-hmm. terrible music. Yeah. I will say the one highlight of this match is DDP and his headset microphone. <laughs> it sounds really ropey. It's not a good quality <laughs> headset he's got there. Good God! It doesn't get any better than this! DDP has, like, hellish trouble with his microphone on this show, like, <laughs> on more than one occasion. <laughs> yes, we'll get to the, the final. It seems to have like clicked the button to make him live way, way too early, and then left it on way, way too late on both <laughs> occasions just to use it. There's, there is an instance later on where he asks, "Are we live?" So we'll we'll get to that though. Yeah, there's yeah. There's, a, there's an awful lot of production issues on the show, isn't there? <laughs> we'll just there's, politely there's, refer to them as that. WCW isms that go on a lot. <laughs> WCW isms. Oh God! Like I think there's like a lot of kind of you know knocks against WCW about being a kind of like a mom and pop operation up against the machine of the WWF at the time. You know, WWF's got this kind of big kind of slick style to its recording and its production and all that. But WCW don't really do themselves any favours, do they? No. Yeah. I-, I thought, I, I kind of got that vibe a little bit as well, yeah. It's like they just asked, they asked Steve and Tracy down the road to come and help them do their, record their, uh, their, their, their wrestling show. <laughs> I'll go back once again to what Scott Hall said years ago, and he was so, so right. in what He said the WWF was a TV company making a wrestling show. 
Whereas WCW was a wrestling company trying to make a TV show. Oh, totally, and, yeah. And it's yeah. so true. <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah. comes across at various moments. Yeah. Um, I won't say this, as much as we make fun of the Young Pistols, the crowd are definitely about them. Yeah, because oh, they're yeah. Southern boys, and clearly they hate well, the neon that the Freeboards have got, because they've got some well, fat neon neon on their, on their clothes. I don't think it's the fact that they're neon, I think it's the fact that the Freebirds don't represent good old American values. Which that is true. Issue. That is true. <laughs> that could be the issue. Again, we'll get to that when we meet Johnny B. Bad. Um, <laughs> so well, yes. The reason why this match is happening is because the Steiners, for some reason, relinquished the US titles when they won the World Tag Championship. Why couldn't they just hold them both? What's the point in letting go of one? Why not drop it's them a, to somebody else before they win the world drop, titles? Why, why drop them all together? I don't know. Yes, you are the champions of the world, but do you not also want to be champions of the US as well? We and need I mean, to get like a Ouija board out to call up Dusty Rhodes and ask him what was going on. Well, that would also need to get another Ouija board to translate them. <laughs> that is true, yeah. How, <laughs> oh like, how wide is this Ouija board? How many letters <laughs> has this thing got? This is ridiculous. Um, wow. Just that the hard camera was at some weird off-center angle because it really bugged me. It was, and I think at yeah. one point, I think I think two of the camera were kind of like walking into each other because there's a bit where there's like a missile drop kick from the two lads, the, the mm. your two pistols, and the camera just misses it completely. Like it doesn't even bother looking at it. And then yeah. there's a bit on the outside where there's um, one of the boys does like a crossbody to the outside, and as he's getting ready to jump, the camera just starts panning away from it. Like he just starts panning away, and he only just catches the move. And it's just what well, was. You just you, you just point the camera at the dude on the top rope. What's so hard? Why are you why are you moving away from it to kind of not get a good shot? It's, yeah, it's it just, is kind of obvious that something kind of high risk and quite cool is going to happen. And yeah, yeah to just pan away yeah. from it. Why not? Yeah, just pan away. would it not be something to do with um, a Bill Watts edict on that one though? Is he here, That's though? Because he's not on the commentary. He's not on the credits at the end. It's no, Jim Hurd on, on the credits at the end. before his time. I think it's just before as well. Is it just Al, before yeah. Bill Watts? Because I know that Bill Watts came in and it's like... Because he's this This is, as we'll get into later, this is Ric Flair's last WCW pay-per-view for a while. Hmm. It is. There's a lot of lasts and debuts in this one. It's weird. It was, it, was, um, <laughs> it was Bill Watts that he fell out with, wasn't it? Because Bill Watts wanted him to play a bloody gladiator. No, and Bill Watts uh, was just no fun. Yeah. yeah. Was it not... Jim Hurd who won it the Gladiator thing, no? Oh, yes. now you mentioned it might be. Yeah, actually, Gladiator. yeah, I'm not, yeah, my bad. Yep. But I they still got right. like the um the the mats on the outside, haven't they? And there's a lot going over the top rope, so clearly Watts isn't mm-hmm. back in the back there at this point. Uh we get football reference number one from JR, and I wrote <laughs> my notes least we count, folks. Yeah, take take <laughs> um, a shot every time. Yeah, oh god, don't do that. You'd be dead by match three. <laughs> um for some reason Brad Armstrong runs to the ring to back up the pistols. Which it's, I wrote down, that's a fine way to get yourself DQ'd. Because yeah, it's like he's trying to even the odds, because there's like, what, 10 people on the side of the Freebirds? He's got Humperdinck interfering, yeah, so, so he wants true. to even up the odds. And then Dink but, gets uh, um, gets himself... Dink sounds like a rubbish doink, I'm getting myself confused here. It was, it was Dink and Dink, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah Big yeah, Daddy yeah. Dink. So Dink was put, a little one. Maybe they so put we, Big Daddy Dink through the wash, and then... It's hornswoggle all over again. It oh my god! Storyline the mystery. I, I never thought about that. that that's that's blown my Big mind. Daddy Dink and Little Dink. Yeah, that, that to be fair, team. I didn't see the running by the Gobbledygooker either. This match is full of surprises. 
we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> JR is working very stiff in commentary relating to, referring to Dink, quote, he's waddling back to the locker room. Come it's on, a bit harsh, isn't it? JR, for that. I, mean, I, I quite enjoyed JR on the commentary. I thought he was quite good. JR was good fun. I think he was playing off of Dusty Rhodes' nonsense at times. Mm. And there's a few times you can kind of hear, like, you can kind of hear his, like, you know, late 90s WWE, WWF voice and that sort of thing. You know, he's not, <laughs> he's, he's kind of using that, he's kind of got that level of commentary, but otherwise it's still kind of very, yeah, very, very, very wrestling kind of vibe yes. to him. But he's, you know, you're like, oh, Jim Ross is cool. Dusty, just just be quiet a little bit, please, Dusty, please. Just, just, um, yeah, be quiet. Yeah. When we're approaching the end, because I feel I need to, to wrap the end up in a rant. Okay. Al, the floor is yours, go for it. Right. So the ending looks so choreographed. Like, it, it just, I don't know if like they use better camera angles in WE or they're just better workers, but the ending to me is just so choreographed and so silly. So we go for a double drop kick, right? Which yeah. they're mm-hmm. supposed to miss, but literally yes. botch it so badly. One of them, like, goes for a drop kick and lands on his feet. And then just decides to lie down because that somehow knocked him out. Jumping off the top rope and landing on his feet, it yeah. knocked him out. And the concussive force of the ring, that's what it was. It, it was the vibration of the ground. Shockwaves through the spinal column. Yeah. And, and then they've got to do some spot where he holds them up like in a heart, found, a heart attack move, the Heart Foundation did. Mm. But they have to work a ref bump in. So the ref yeah. seems to yeah. take forever to like, right, when are they ready, guys? You come up there. All right, I just move. No, I'm not there yet. No, hang on, guys. Hang on. Right, and then we get that this ref bump, and then of course we get the most nonsensical interference coming in with a mm-hmm. guy who's dressed like you said, some sort of reject gobbledygooker bird. This comes he in. Even look, he even looks worse than him. He comes in to to attack them, and he's called Fantasia. Like mm-hmm. how they never thought they were going to get sued for that one. <laughs> Well, so the change was named to Bad Street. Yeah, yep. and that's not even the fucking nonsense part. The <laughs> guy in the suit was the same guy who came down to save them earlier on in the match. Yep. <laughs> I only read that at the end. I was looking into that, and I was like, "But, uh, but why not? Why not have him come out and betray them? Why not work that into it? Surely well, that's a better well, angle." That's, that's- this will blow your mind even more. That's not even the storyline. They just had nobody else to play the guy. So in story, you know, in real life or whatever, he's not supposed to be betraying his friends. The two different <laughs> characters. He's not. <laughs> God, it's the most passionate I've heard you, Al, for a while. I'm actually enjoying this. <laughs> I don't know if this is just Al doing this or the Sudafed talking or what. <laughs> I, whatever it is, keep going. That's great. <laughs> Al's on the cold bed. Not not Fantasio um, interferes and loses his feathers, does a couple of DDTs. He leaves a lot, and... he sheds a lot over that ring, doesn't he, doing his DDTs? <laughs> it really the evidence of his running is all apparent for all to see there, I think. Yeah, he, he does execute the DDTs quite well for somebody wearing all them feathers. Yes, I'm actually amazed that no one died during this. But yeah, DDTs are dropped, he runs out of the ring, flies away back to wherever you came from, the Freebirds get the pin and there's your new US tag team champions this match was something yeah it was a as an opener go I mean I can understand bringing the free birds out first you know they always mm. get a crowd going at the very yeah, least yeah. they're good workers but it's just a weird just, just ends up in a weird place isn't it there's a few of those matches throughout this card up next is Ricky Martin against Dan whoa can we point out on commentary that JR actually you know you've got 
um, Dusty Rhodes sort of saying, you know, I don't know who that guy dressed as the bird was who attacked him. And then, like JR says, the immortal line, his shirt said Fantasia. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, if you're going to keep your sort of identity as a secret, you know, because I don't have it written across your chest. (laughs) I missed that. I don't know how I missed that comment. I got it right here on my note. Like, his shirt said Fantasia, Dusty. Anyway, my apologies. On to Dan Spivey. Yes, on to Dangerous Dan Spivey. Um, I think Dusty is nursing a semi for uh, Ricky Morton a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. He does go a bit into him. I mean, I mean to be honest, it, like he has got some mullet. You can't deny that. Well, well yes. I mean, the mullet it game is. is strong across his entire show. We'll get it to is, that. But, but Morton, I think, if we're talking mullets across the, the show, I think he's still king because it is long and glorious. But yes, it is a party there. at the back and a business off friend. It is it's astounding. But, you know, you can't... There is a slight difference here. We have to acknowledge that as well. Yes, I, I wrote down in my notes, Spivey is effing enormous because of yeah. I did, I did put this down here. I, when you saw Dan Spivey playing Waylon Mercy. Oh, here we go. I don't <laughs> think you appreciated how fucking huge he is. No, because he's got that much crap on his Waylon Mercy. But you yeah. can even see him at WrestleMania too if you want to see a young Dan Spivey. Oh my. A young injury free dance by or relatively injury free. <laughs> anyway, um my catchphrase of tonight is let you know when you let me know when you're wrapping up so I can give my first <laughs> Okay. Well done. Oh, the fed tapes. <laughs> I thought it was uh, bearing in mind that, that side difference, it was quite bold from Ricky Morton to go for a back body drop. I actually it's... thought at various points that one of the competitors in the string may die because of what they were trying to do. To that effect, my note says um, Spivey is snug. <laughs> yes, um, there's not a lot of um, gap between no. the shots. I think Primus yeah. Morton got a few shots. But then there is a bit of a mess, isn't there? Towards the end, they kind of they just kind of run into each other. They do mess up a running spot, yeah, which then Spivey just kind of like holds him in for a power bomb and then pins him for three, even yeah. though Morton kicks out. <laughs> they still <laughs> declare is, him as the winner. That is after Dan Spivey somehow survives a Japanese arm drag. That was at which point I thought this man is going to break his neck. A man that size shouldn't yeah. be doing that really, should he? No. Not really. And uh, going back to Cameron's snug comment, Dan Spivey murders Ricky Morton with his power bomb. He just absolutely brings him down hard, doesn't he? So oh, yes. th- this was this was the squashiest match that ever squashed. But from an alternative perspective, we'll pass over to Jordi Sudafedal for uh, the finisher report. Well, you said it was the squashy and perhaps it ever squashed, but the fucking most card squash matches. So I'm sure we'll get onto some more. <laughs> uh, secondly, what did poor um, Ricky Morton do to upset anybody? Because he's the one half of the bloody Rock and Roll Express, <laughs> uh, yes. right? One of the most legendary tag teams of all time. Now he's just getting dropped out to Dan Spivey. Now, <laughs> the cynical part of me, I think, knows what this was about. Because they dance by, he hits the powerbomb, looks big, strong, tall. Why would they maybe be promoting them from that? Oh, maybe because it's Sid Vicious's last night in the company. So they're like, we'll just pretend he's Sid Vicious from now on. He used to team with them. <laughs> Here we go. We, we don't need Sid Vicious. You've got this guy. Well, this guy would also refuse to do jobs in the upcoming month and leave us anywhere. So they've got no, they've got no big tall man to do powerbombs now. It's their loss. Well, that that's very true. I mean, I'm that is an accurate statement. Pick up on the fact that Dan Spivey drops a leg drop at some point. Somewhere Hulk Hogan shuddered. Vice Film and Suburban Commando or something. Yeah, <laughs> whatever he's doing oh, at this moment in time. On the subject of mullets, we cut to our first of many interview segments of the evening. Oh boy, with Tony Schiavone and Missy High interviewing the Z Man and his mullet. I mean, 
first of all, congratulations to Susan Moody. Well done. Yes. What I what on Susan Moody from Kentucky? I don't know what you yeah. want, but congratulations. Well done. And I thought this is just like, oh, just people having a chat. This is going to be fine. And then no, Shivani no. talks about Missy Hyatt going room. into the dressing room. And oh my God. Oh, oh God. Oh, this, this was I... a rest, wrestle war, which I'm sure we'll get round to. She <laughs> apparently wants to be the first female to interview a wrestler in the dressing room. I think that was the gist of it. I'm glad she clarified it was, I'm glad she clarified it was the first woman to interview somebody in the dressing room because I think women have done a lot in the dressing rooms. <laughs> it's presented so. as a kind of progressive women's rights thing. And why can't she be a serious sports journalist just because she's a woman? Which, fine, kind of uncomfortable for the early 90s. Yeah. But yeah, mm. looking back, that might have been sort of a forward-thinking thing. But then the crowd are kind of booing it, um, which is kind well. of just how it was at the time. But then mm-hmm. you kind of like, when they finally, as we'll get on to later, they kind of instantly fuck that up as soon as she gets the later they- on. To me, it had, it, to me, it had the best run-on booking of the whole pay-per-view. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not wrong, Al. So we, get, we cut to our clip of WrestleWar Nights where Missy Hyatt is so excited she's going to go into the dressing room and interview a wrestler. So she enters the dressing room and, as my notes have wrote in all caps, holy fuck, it's Stan Hansen and boy, he's mad. Tobacco-chewing, misogynistic, spanking Stan Hansen. Oh, this is just Stan Hansen, a typical night owl. There's, there's I nothing think different here. unbelievable. If he was sitting there getting dressed and woman brought the dressing room like that, I think he would just go, what do you call it? A heifer at one point. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's smacking her with his hat and just kind of throwing her out that way, isn't he? And I'm going to be the first woman to interview a wrestler. Come on, guys. Let's see what babe we're going to interview. Come on. Let's go in here. What? I just came in here to get interviewed. What are you doing in here? What this heifer doing in here? You better get out of here. This is a man's You get your big butt out of here. Get out of here. Get that bear out of here. Oh, my God. I don't believe this. Well, I mean, she probably wants to get out of the locker room quickly because she would have probably got, like, tobacco runoff on her because um, tobacco was making its way down his chest. <laughs> I mean, he's just, it's just... I, you know, if I walked into somewhere and saw that approaching me, I think I would run, run full tilt the other way as well because he just looks like yeah. a, an, an, an unhinged monster covered in which tobacco. Is, which is Stan Hansen. Which is his gimmick, really, isn't it? So what can you do? The only thing that's missing is his cowbell that he can hit the crowd with. <laughs> So we cut from that disaster to Wildfire Tommy Rich versus Nikita Koloff's penis because Nikita Koloff's singlet was very revealing. I'll say that much. It wasn't. It was. I'm in my <laughs> head. I don't want to do it. But I'm comparing it to Hercules, and I think it was I up there, the but it wasn't quite. Cause... It wasn't quite the revealing at the back. Discount Hercules though, because even his chains were smaller than what Hercules would <laughs> oh, carry. Bless about. Him. Poor, poor Nikita Koloff. Oh, we're getting into a chain measuring contest now, are we? <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> so this was another match that I failed to quite see the purpose of. And again, it's it seems another, like they're just kind of wrestler in a singles match. Yeah, I mean Nikita Koloff. He's one of those, those names that kind of gets bandied about for the kind of you know in the eighties for being like in good matches and stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't think he never did. He have a run at WWF or anything? I don't think he did. Did he? Maybe in the. I think, I think the Koloffs did, didn't they? They won them win the title. Like in the seventies or something. I like Ivan Koloff who won the title. Maybe Ivan Koloff. Not sure. Let me check. I think. I think were well, they not in WWF as well? Not sure. I think in the early days there might have been. But he seemed like one of those guys. He was always like a WCW guy, but was always kind of like 
talked about in quite glowing terms by the people he like, you know, by Sting and Rick Fire and those kind of guys. But he kind of had no no kind of exposure to him other than kind of things like this where he just kind of rocks out, no music, clothes lines a dude and kind of walks out again. That's about it to him really, isn't it? Mm. No, they were never um, tag champs, but Ivan Koloff was WWF champion. Yeah, I, thought, I think they beat right. San Martino, possibly. I think it was. Uh, that, would, that sounds about right. I'm just going to find out. Mm-hmm. Live um, journalism here. Oh, yes. Uh, well, it, the, the chance of it being San Martino are quite high. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> During that long period. But yeah, so like it's like he can. He's, well, he's quite well built. He looks kind of like, you know. He's got that. You can tell he's from that next generation that's got like the built body as compared to the kind of, you know, Michael B. Hayes barrel chested kind of style from earlier. Yeah. But it seems like, you see, I, I bet with a good pony he'd be really good. But this is just like, yeah, he's just knocking some dude's head off for a bit and that's about it. Yeah, pets the Russian sickle and that's it. Yeah. Uh, Dustin, Dustin, uh, Dusty Rhodes rather has a fantastic piece of commentary in this match where he says, uh, <laughs> Koloff is, and I quote, sometimes in slow mo. <laughs> Which I think is a polite way of saying a bit. He's a bit shit. shit. <laughs> yeah, We go from that to another oh, interview whoa, segment. I, I haven't. I, oh, I need some Al hasn't that. ranted. The Sudafed needs another word. Al, let the Sudafed talk. I don't have these for every match, but this is another one. So right. it, it's finished off by what's it called? Is it called the Russian sickle or something? The Russian sickle, off. which is a now, bit like Florida. I've ever, I've ever heard it. The clothesline from L. This must be the clothesline from heaven because it looks the softest clothesline <laughs> in the world. It gently brushes him, and oh, he's down for the pin. It's like at least make it look like it had some sort of impact to some the well finishing move. You know, I mean, it's it's your finish. It just look. How was that different to any other clothesline? Like at least Bradshaw, like you know, kind of goes to his knees when he delivers it and stuff, doesn't he? Bradshaw's clothesline from hell goes off like a gunshot. Yeah, you know, to be fair, for all the pop that we gave Bradshaw, he was really good. His finisher was really, really good. But so, it's like, is the sickle part not that he's got his arm bent? But it, how yes. does it like, look? It just looks like a clothesline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it's any different from any kind of normal clothesline, but, you know, we're in the day and age where, like, a DDT is the finisher, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's going to well, be we've already We've already seen about 10 of them off that Birdman thing at the start of the program. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, true, yeah. So, so yeah, I just found that was a really soft close. I'm really soft close. Anyway, on to our next. Is it a squash match? I don't know if no, it is. No, 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 no. You've got a quite no. historic segment of, of the many we're, historic we're, segments coming oh, up in this in the show. You've got that's true, yeah. one. We're cutting to the halfway main event of the show because this segment I loved. Tony Schiavone interviewing Theodore Long and the debuting Johnny B. Bad. And Mr. Bad has a lot to say. Oh, did he? Because I just heard like what I heard like a noise that came out of his mouth. I c- couldn't quite that, articulate what he was saying. It's not really kind of just like any kind of distinct promo. It's more just like, "Woo, yeah, I'm Johnny Bad, and I'm real bad, and woo." And yeah. I wish I was a girl. And yes. Teddy Long being the best Prince Nana before Prince Nana existed. <laughs> Has, no um, bad blaster yet, though, is he? No bad blaster yet. No, no, no bad blaster yet. yet. That's yet to come. Dusty Rhodes has yet another great comment where he says flamboyancy over the line. Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, the kind of like overt homosexual overtones of the Johnny B. Bad character are kind of excused away with John, uh, with Dusty Rhodes saying, yeah, they're both flamboyant. 
It's like uh-huh. he's, uh-huh. he's, flamboyant, he's flamboyant, but he says he's got he's got a heavy left hand, so he must be a bad man. It's like really, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, because he can punch somebody, he must be good. Imagine you are Mark Merrill, as we all know from like his his WWF days. You know, you know, he had quite a kind of like a amateur boxing background. Mm-hmm. So Merrill's not exactly, yeah, exactly golden gloves. Merrill's not exactly a slouch, you know, when it comes no. to like actual combat sports. You know what I mean? No. And he gets given this, <laughs> a little Richard, basically. Yeah, yeah, just be yeah. little Richard. You know what I mean? You know, kind of if the honky tonk man is Elvis, and obviously Johnny B. Bad is little Richard. Yeah. And it's just like I, I would give Mark Merrill full credit for running with this. Because he made it work. Because like he, he got really got well over, didn't he? I mean, what? This is ninety one. He yeah. leaves for the WWF. Well, obviously by ninety six. Ninety six time. So we get to at least four years out of this. He goes just. Mm-hmm. He goes in just before. Um, just after just after mankind, uh, McFoley goes over, doesn't he? So it's like yeah, mid ninety six. And he always um, Foley for years. Um, yeah, hold a grudge against Merrill because he negotiated the better contract than Foley did. Came, yeah, he was why, why, like, why be angry about the man for getting a better contract? He's a better negotiator, so that's your well, fault. Why be mad yeah, at him? Foley, Foley come to terms, and, and he's, I've read recently that he's, he's he apologised and he he went to ask Merrill for his forgiveness, and of course Merrill just went, "Yeah, of course, you know, no problem at all." And the yeah, Foley was bitter because he was going to work WrestleMania with him, and he refused. He was. Better that Mero got the guaranteed contract, which was better than what Foley got. Yeah, Mero yeah. got the knockback from Stone Cold as well, didn't he? Because of allowing Sable to powerbomb him. I, I also think maybe yes. Austin probably didn't get a good deal as Mero either, so maybe that had something. Well, to Mero was smart. I mean, it's a selfish business. You got to look out for number yeah. one, and you got to kind of look at the time. Like you know, on the WCW card at that point, you know, trying to be bad is probably like a high, like a higher up the card than a Cactus Jack or a Stunning Steve Austin at the time. Oh aren't God, they? yeah. I yeah, mean, you know, Cactus Jack didn't have a bad blaster, so you know. Exactly, it's <laughs> true. A cactus blaster. Action point of view. Oh man, the uh-huh. cactus! Imagine, imagine if we just like, had a cactus blaster, which was like a gun that just fired cactus at people straight into the kids' faces in the crowd. Damn, it's just a gun. <laughs> oh, just a gun. Okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Nick Foley would have had a completely different reputation if he had gone along with that one. Like, <laughs> you know that wrestler just came out of the ring with a loaded gun. Well, uh, wait. Um, our answers on later will come to him. Oh yes, that's very true. So, yeah. our next match is a—I think Dusty calls this a computer match. Which at first I'm yes. like, "What in the living fuck is this?" They do well, refer to. There's some weird names of matches in this. Yeah, this is a computer match. Oh, isn't it? Yeah, we're just getting here. So this is the computer match between Terence Taylor and Dustin Rhodes. The first thing I want to say is Dustin Rhodes is in fucking shape. Holy oh, shit! Yeah, he looks yeah it was. Yeah, you forget how. Obviously, because Dustin Rhodes went through an entire career of, well, he was yeah. this was the obviously the earliest stage in his career in WCW, yeah. but then he went to like the WF and was like gold dust for a long while, and then mm-hmm. obviously had most of his body covered up with the the kind of jumpsuit thing, and then he had his obviously his you know his drug issues and his alcohol issues, which um, kind of ballooned him a bit, and then he's now back you know in and he was he, I think he's played gold dust or. A variation of gold dust now in AEW with the blue suit rather than the gold, yeah. and uh, you know, so you you forget easily how fucking built he was. Oh, he's enormous. Yeah, and um, was the, the York Foundation? I believe is the name of the group that Terence Taylor is now part yes. of. Yeah, it's the, the York Foundation. Yeah, because yeah, he's the was... he's the uh, computerized man of the nineties. 
Yes, which, in case you were wondering, is a Tandy TRS-80 from Model 102 from 1986. It's the computer oh, that he's checking. Thank, thank you, Phil. Thank you, Phil. I was going to say, he's not the first person to use a computer because I distinctly remember King Kong Bundy had, doing adverts in 1986 for, God, I had some IBM computer. Probably the so same one. Probably. But, like, what I don't get is, like, it's like the, he's got the Dallas theme song. There's, like, a load of people in suits on top of the stage. <laughs> he's the computerized band of the 90s. And he comes out wearing, like, his same wrestling gear from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Like, a satin jacket and stuff. It's like, doesn't well, really I mean, kind it, of give the it, flavor it, of that. It could, it could be worse. It could be some sort of, like, poultry type creature. <laughs> I swear it's the same jacket he used to wear when he was the rooster. Like, he's not a million miles away from that kind of style jacket. He's a hairstyle away. Re- wrestling is always 10 years behind when it comes to fashion or style. That's true. Computer worked out he, he won 72% of his matches while she was wearing that jacket, so that's why he's good. <laughs> there you go. Which one of the better worked matches of the evening? I think that's fair to say, because I think the two men in the ring actually wanted to go out and put something on that maybe yeah. approached a match. And, like, Terrence Taylor, you know, he, he, we all know his trouble with gimmicks he had over the years, but, like, he was still, like, a really good worker. Oh, yeah. He just never had Don't that kind there. of that kind of a push or a good gimmick to kind of get him up high the card but like he was still like a really really yeah. good worker most of I mean, most yeah. I, yeah I'd agree most of Terry Taylor matches we've watched as part of this podcast have been pretty fundamentally sound yeah oh yeah definitely you know? I think having somebody like Dustin in the ring as well is only going to help accentuate that because Dustin is exactly. good he's yeah, really he's good. good he's good you can, you can see he's green like there's a bit but there's a bit there I think they kind of miss some timing but Dustin kind of turns into a headlock and they get away with it, which is quite good. It kind of made me kind yeah. of go back to what was the match with the um, the dance by Bobby Morse when they just kind of run into each other. They just kind of stand there for a second. But this one, the same, mm. a similar thing happens, but Dustin quickly kind of make kind of gets them out of it and back into the match. You can yeah, kind of tell. Awesome. Like I know he's I know he's called the natural, which is probably a bit much of a nickname for him, but he he is really really naturally good. I do have one negative for this match though. The referee Nick Patrick is fucking terrible. Is that now? Are you talking about his refereeing style or the fact that his like his shirt zip is like right down to the middle of his chest? A bit of both, but the fact that he's missing such blatant stuff or pretending he's not there because he's yelling at York for some reason. That whole like yeah, the end with he when, when he when like he's being distracted by Alexander York, it is just like how are you not yeah. seeing all this happening when you're kind of half facing the right way? It makes no sense because well, it's another big cluster at the end, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. like. Dustin hits the, hits the bulldog York comes up the apron to distract him meanwhile Mr Hughes on the other side of the ring takes about five minutes to walk up onto the apron kind of ambles around yeah. to Dustin grabs him tries to hit him with the loaded with his loaded glove misses hits Terrence Taylor yep. who then gets pinned for the win yeah in amongst all this distraction and confusion and, and shenanigans it's just it's a, it's a really overworked what's finish. the problem with Mr Hughes not the fact he was narcoleptic yes as, as alluded to in Chris Jericho's first book yeah, yeah. So he falls asleep on the side, the side yeah, of the road. Falls asleep on this, uh, by the apron. Yeah, I do feel walking <laughs> up the steps. He does fall asleep at some point because he's he's very awfully awfully slow climbing up onto that apron. Mm. Could be that. Al, any thoughts on this one? Oh, I'm glad you asked. So, as you've already mentioned, the um the, the bit of a it was all I don't know. I just think we've got too many interferency finishes uh, for tonight. You ain't well. kidding, Mister. Uh, you know, Mr. Hughes's um, interference backfiring to do him. However, there's there's a bit of a stupidity behind this and a reason as well that you've obviously got Dustin Rhodes in there who actually only wrestled his last match uh, for WF in January this year. So no. he's not long into his WCW career. Um, 
He started when Dusty was in WF and then jumped ship when he did. Um, so Dusty's on commentary, which I think is very biased anyway, having commentary for your own son. <laughs> your dad on commentary. I think GR brings it up as well at some point. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other occasions where that's happened. I can only think of Brian Christopher in late 90s Raw where like, Jerry Lawler was saying, you know, yeah, JR saying, he looks an awful lot like you, King. Has Rey Mysterio been on commentary while Dirty Dom's been wrestling? Uh, no, but it's been in the building with him. No, true. it's been, yeah. I, th- I don't think they ever went there. <laughs> Not yet. Matter of in time. the build-up to Mania. So, so you've, got, you've got Dusty on commentary now. He obviously, you know, he's on about even in the odds and stuff. And you would kind of, I don't know, I, I missed the shot of how far the commentary was away from ringside. Right, they were like right on the apron on the kind of top left of the hard camera angle. So he, he could have, so he could have, well, yeah, I was kind of expecting him to get up and, and maybe, you know, maybe help his son out who's getting beat up off many people. But anyway, um, Dusty Rhodes apparently had a bit of a reputation because one of the conditions he signed back up with was that you're not wrestling anymore because as he used to book himself to win every match back in yeah. the... Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> what he would do apparently was try and get himself involved in angles with his commentary. So, yep. Hence, maybe you could set up a tag team match earlier, you know, later down the line or something. If if Rhodes made a little bit of a um, shenanigans about it, but yeah. I don't think it it ever went any it ever went anywhere. That was that was just Rhodes trying to um, make a little bit of interest. Keep for himself, himself on camera. Yeah, but it does just make like and again the kayfabe sense like. If he's that close to ringside and his son's in trouble and he's an ex-wrestler, there'd be no reason for him not to just stand up and, you know, and help because it's his, you know, in the kayfabe world, it's his son who could get seriously yeah. injured. Of course, he would come and defend them, wouldn't he? You know what I mean? It's it just didn't make a bit of sense in that that scenario, in my opinion. It's kind of a uh, an avenue they've gone down more recently uh, to take it back up to date with AEW and uh, when Jack Perry assaulted. Uh, Hook on um, hmm. uh, Forbidden Door Two, and then you had Taz on commentary right next to it. Yeah, and you were a bit like, I, I know they kind of like removed Taz, you know, from the commentary desk for the next couple of matches, to, you know, because he had to go and cool down. I think, mm-hmm. but you would so have Taz searching the building for Jack Perry. <laughs> I was, if I was Taz, I'd jump the desk and try to kill the fucker there and there. Exactly, <laughs> like you know, he was literally like you know five feet away. You know, when he, like, assaults your son, it's just like, you'd be like, you know, Taz is like, you know, a fucking an absolute killer. Suplex his head off. Yeah, just be like, you know, if they could at least have filmed, like, a section of, you know, Jack Perry, like, getting out of the building pronto in, like, a stretch limo or something like that. And then, you know, have Taz just kind of, like, chasing him down, you know, through the car park. down the thing after him. Yeah, and do all that, you know, kind of stuff. But, you know, instead it was a bit like kind of going, oh, yeah, yeah, he's he's... You know, the crowd were chanting, you fucked up. And then, like, you had Taz going, like, what, that crowd were chanting? Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. I don't have anything else to say about this next match, apart from the following. Banjos plus animal abuse equals fuck both of you and die. I, 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 I've got some notes here. Because I think in between this match, Jim Ross, this is Big, uh, big Josh versus Black Bart. And yes. Jim Ross said, we're going to see two bears in a minute coming down to the ring. And yes. I was like, you What? Yes, I, I, was was the like, same. I was like, this better not be a tease because, you know, going back to the big event, I was burned by the fact that we missed out on seeing an actual dragon. Remember that? Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it would yeah, be yeah, an yeah, actual yeah. dragon yes. versus an actual snake. Do you think, Phil, this was like gobbledygooker 
Who knows? It's WCW. Christ knows what's going to happen. Exactly. I, I, I had half a mind of thinking, if this is going to be two guys in bear suits, I'd like to think we'd have known about this by now. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I ask but you, no. Phil, if you wanted to see two guys in bear suits for this bit with you, did you have any, like, you know, maybe ambition of seeing a guy in a lion suit? <laughs> well, that box was ticked later, but we'll come to that. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I was, so I was going, yes. So I was like, so my next note after that is like, holy shit, two actual bears. And it is two actual fucking bears. Big Joss comes out with two actual bears that are walking on their hind legs in a really uncomfortable way with a really nervous-looking yeah. kind of bear handler just behind him going, I don't think this is a really good idea. But we've put muzzles on them just in case. Exactly. Two giant bears in like the middle of a big arena full of thousands of people. It's like, what the hell is going on? And yeah, I just, and my next note is, this doesn't seem too animal-friendly. No, not at all. Surely somebody spotted the bear pissing itself. <laughs> I didn't see the bear pissing itself. I don't see that. I don't see that. I don't see that. That that may be more upset. I actually skipped this match altogether after that angel said just what nothing to do with it. You didn't miss much no. apart from no. that. Do you want my notes for this match? Go for it. Okay, I'll 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 take you it's not long. I'll take you through <laughs> the my entire notes for this match. Um oh Number one, that is certainly two bears. Uh, definitely two bears. Josh mm. Logroll, big meat slap. <laughs> Crowd are utterly silent. Still punchy, big Josh just sits on the fucker to pin him. <laughs> and then I put the, I must have been in the commentary because I put in capital letters, butt bump, question mark. Right here you knew you see you go for this. What does he call this, Jimbo? I think it's a big butt drop. I think it's a butt bump myself. <laughs> That's what they're trying to call his move. I did put down for that. Oh. Why has Big Josh got Earthquake's finisher? Well, I was going to say Earthquake wouldn't have had it yet, but of course he would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So Earth, with Earthquake, mm. it is like the Earthquake, isn't it? Was that the name of it? I think it must be the Earthquake. No, it was the Earthquake Vertical Splash. That's what it was. It was oh. the Earthquake Vertical Splash. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with Big Josh, it's the Butt Bump. The Butt Bump. Yes. My only other note was about when when Black Bart comes out, like he's this kind of big, scary looking dude in like black cowboy hat and stuff. He's got surprisingly jaunty music. I don't remember his music, but I'm assuming you're going to edit it in now. I will. I'll, I'll do. I'll, I suppose I'll have to now, <laughs> won't I? But it's quite it's it's quite surprisingly well, jaunty. You could edit out me saying you're going to edit it now, and it would save the job. It's up to you. I'll, I'll probably keep there it all in because it'll lead into the joke a bit better, won't it? Make it a bit make yeah, it yeah, even yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get yeah. we'll get meta, as the kids say. But yeah, it Indeed. seems like yeah. the kind of like the music from like a kids' cowboy show that was like on instead of well, this is another reference, Gentle Ben, like something from that kind of era. You know what I mean? God, wow. There you go, the deep cut there. Thank you. So I do let's... wonder though if one of those bears, because apparently there was like a wrestling bear that you that would go wrestling. Yes. I think I'm sure on a Mick Foley podcast he said about Tracy Smothers, who we've already seen wrestled the wrestling bear. Yes, he did. Right. So okay. I don't know if that I don't know if either of those bears were actual, you know, working working bears or if they were just two bears. Mm. But either way, do you think do you think Nikita ideal. Koloff was wrestling the bear and someone from Capcom was there? <laughs> like, <laughs> hang on a second. <laughs> 
<laughs> Wait, Wait a, a minute. minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. We need to put a weak ass clothesline as a, as a move. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Zangief's, Zangief's not going to have any of that weak ass clothesline. Yeah. No, he's not. But it's all right. It's Zangief's all right. I'm sure. Lariat someone. <laughs> Um, right, well, yeah, it was like the bear thing, you're right. I found like it was like fun when they first started walking down, but then the whole aisle started, it did, it just looked wrong, you know what I mean? It was like, and they were all like mm-hmm. bound up and stuff. And it's like, yeah. I don't know how often he used these bears. If this was kind of just because it was a pay per view or not. Uh, Jake the Snake, he had him in his hotel room. He had to book him both the seat on the plane. It was, you know, a case of this lumberjack gimmick trying to get over, and of course, it is the future Doink the Clown in a yeah. couple of years is what he's going to. They never equate those two together. Weird, no. isn't it? I know that they are, but it's like you know when you just look side by side at Doink, the original Doink, and then this, and you're like, yeah. how? <laughs> and like we we talked about it before, but that Matt Doink had with um, Bret Hart was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's, Matt he's, he's a, a really proficient wrestler. And you know, it was just one of them squash matches we've had to kind of get the character yeah. over. But I yeah. mean, the character for me, I only know he's famous in my circle is um, being a, an incredibly hard action figure to get. There you go. Uh, he was released in wave two of um, Galoob WCW, which was, I think, European exclusive. Uh, oh, the Big Josh oh. figure is quite rare, but what yeah. is even harder. Is to the get two bears? Justice. Uh, close. He comes. He comes with an axe handle. Of course uh-huh. he does. Oh, because right. he had that down to the it ring, didn't he? I remember carrying that down to the ring. That axe handle is a fortune, yes. So, wow. oh, like like an actual little model axe handle, not like he does the axe handle move. No, you're correct. He gets a little axe handle right. with him. Right, 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 right. I thought it was like they're doing the bare ones, but like he had a preset move. You know, they were no, in no they're position. all stiff. The galoobs, remember, they don't move at all. Oh yeah, they're kind of like rubbery. And, oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So that was the, you know. And I never really saw a big. I had, I guess, maybe a different opinion of the gimmick and everything just by his action figure rather than never seen him wrestle till till now, sort of thing. You know, until I was a, an adult. Mm. Um, but yes, it's uh, that, that's my that's my um, introduction to how I know Big Josh and other other go. stars in the line were also uh, Dustin Rhodes and um, Giant Gonzalez were the others in, in that. Oh, figures, but, I've got a um, I've got an El, we'll um, an we'll El Gigante there, figure then. downstairs. There you go. Yeah. Basically, what happens now is they release some kind of gas into the arena. We all enter some kind of bizarre fever dream. So yes, we cut to the Danger Zone featuring the. Stan Hansen in full Stan Hansen mode. Um, the basic premise of this was Polly dangerously was trying to prove that he was a big, strong, strapping cowboy, much like his hero Stan Hansen. However, Stan Hansen and his tobacco spit have uh, a few things to say about that. Number one is cowboy hats, not a cowboy hat because it's made in New York. Yeah, exactly. Because he is Paul. Paul uh, Paulie says like he's the greatest cowboy in New York. Yeah. Yep. But of course, you can't hear him say that because his microphone doesn't work for the opening part of the no, promo. That was the entire thing's crap. Yep. <laughs> Which he somehow turns around into insulting Florida because they can't give him a, a decent mic. Oh, shut your mouth, will you? Hey, shut your... Once again, something in Florida fouls up because you people can't even get a microphone straight. Well, he's every right because it's yeah. shit. Stan Hansen's music hits two minutes after he hits the ring. 
<laughs> yeah. Yep. It's, it's, it's the first Dan Hansen's just like, Paulie seems genuinely goes. scared, doesn't he? Do you notice that? Like, Paulie's like, what are you doing here? I don't know what's going on, but I need to stay away from you. Well, yeah, because there's this giant man with tobacco running down his chest threatening to kill him. Just spitting out tobacco so much, like at the end of the promo, the the tobacco, the microphone is like stained with tobacco juice. Yes, it's just it's insane. I don't know what's going on. Uh, basically, Hansen's upset because no one wants to step up to fight much. Looking at him, I can't believe them. Exactly. Yeah, who wants to wrestle him? I think he has to go at Dustin Dustin Rhodes because he's like got cowboy boots or something. I can't remember what the gist yeah. of it is. I think it's really weird by the fact that Stan Hansen's in like three sections of this show and none of them are matches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she's just like you've got Stan Hansen in the building so yeah, he probably wasn't cheap to get in yeah it's like um, do you want to maybe do something with him do something else with this he's like, if, if, if we're just like no no I don't want to do anything no, unless good. he was unless he was injured and he couldn't go which I don't know I don't know he, he appears to be sort of making comments about Dustin Rhodes you know and that would yeah. naturally maybe build up a match in the future but um, if you ever wondered no it never happens no I don't think it would as soon as I saw that I was like I bet this the match never happened Dustin took one look at that and just went fuck that no way son yeah. nuh I've seen no, what thank you. people in Japan no thank you yeah, no thank you very no, much I think the, the, the greatest Stan Hansen match I've ever seen is available on YouTube and it's Stan Hansen versus Andre the Giant in all Japan at oh, some point yes, in the late eighties. And yes. you've basically got Stan Hansen walks to the ring swinging a cow like a cowbell around on a chain and a whip and things like that. So the crowd are already running like fuck away from Stan Hansen. But then obviously Andre the Giant decides to like just like chase Dan uh, Stan Hansen down the aisle, and they end up like mm-hmm. jumping the barrier into the crowd. It's just this oh tidal God. wave of people that just part. <laughs> it's when Andre could still probably like go like properly and hadn't yeah. like all the injuries set in. Yeah, but it was just like oh my! Like, the entire crowd is. I've never seen a crowd more petrified of two wrestlers in my life. It's hilarious for that reason. <laughs> It's tremendous. I I adored this segment. It was incredible. However, it was insane. not as incredible as our next segment, which is I think oh, the closest wow. thing to a cinematic match that <laughs> that we've ever come to watch before we get <laughs> that to is true. I don't know what's going on because like they cut they kinda of cut to one shot and so all of a sudden there's a fucking castle at the top of the stage yeah, out of so, nowhere. And then all of a sudden we get the characters from the Wizard of Oz and Yeah. There's a weird narrator voice, and I wrote my notes. An epileptic fit opens our next match. It just goes um, insane. Followed yeah. by what the fucking fuck is this? And then oh my fucking god! And then the picture I put in the the Discord. It's something, and it's the one that obviously that Kevin Nash always gets replayed a lot. You know, this this is Kevin Nash in the early days. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, obviously Turner Broadcasting had just bought the existing rights to the Wizard of Oz movie alongside a lot of other um, Hollywood yeah. movies at the time, like Gone with the Wind, they'd bought the rights to it. It could have been Gone with the Wind. Think I about that. Know. Why? <laughs> Why do this? Because it's know. some weird attempt at cross-promotion. Who are you? Who are you? The great and powerful Oz knows how dare you come to me? I will show you who Oz really is. I will show the world who Oz really is. 
<laughs> Welcome to Orange! Welcome to Orange! Welcome to Orange! Welcome to Orange! Uh, um, imagine if they had something like, say, RoboCop, and he turned up in WCW. Well, yeah, I was going to say they had RoboCop. Was it not the year before this? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's not... I mean, you'd like to think, what a stupid sort of thing to do. Oh, my God, you'd never get away with that in wrestling now. And we are two days removed, as we record this, from AEW yes. doing a Texas Chainsaw Massacre match. With Leatherface coming to the ring. <laughs> yeah, with Leatherface marching down the ring and uh, chasing away Karen Jarrett. Somehow, that made more sense than this Oz thing. Um, yes, because yes. it wasn't Somehow. an actual... You know, it wasn't, it wasn't as if they got a wrestler dressed up like Leatherface and then actually have a match as Leatherface. Mm. That, would be, oh, that would be good. They're not I'm a wrestler called Leatherface, anyway. I still have a wrestler in FMW um, would tag normally with Onita. And he would run in the crowd with a chainsaw. And kind of like Stan Hansen, the crowd would run like fuck. Of course, because someone's coming out with a chainsaw. What are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Um, this match was one move, and then Oz stood upon Mr. Um, Tim Parker, and the crowd went mild. Yeah. All that, all that build-up for, like, this. Yeah. It makes the most sense. Like... And like, what, what kind of got me is like, most of the show's been like, it's like a, a kind of fairly straight wrestling show. And then it goes full weird for like two minutes for no clear reason <laughs> with weird face masks and a big giant hat and a cape that's way too big. And and some voice that I, I think saying welcome to Oz, but it sounds atrocious. Kevin Sullivan is Boston accent, isn't it? Yeah, welcome to Oz! <laughs> yeah. And he seems to have a monkey tied to him as well. Yeah. Yes! Yeah. Where did the monkey yeah. come from? His his hat falls his hat falls off as well. I was like, well, I was like, did he? Because I, I, I only saw the monkey when he got to the ring. And I was like, did he always have that monkey? Where's the monkey he come got, from? Why did the monkey come out with the bears? Imagine if the oh, monkey had taken a piss on Kevin Sullivan. That would be hilarious. I'll give this match five stars. <laughs> but Fair somehow, enough. somehow we managed to go down from here because we're back with Missy Hyatt. I, I don't think I've, I've laid into Aussie enough. So we'll go for Al. Well, I mean, I mean, you're right. You get this big intro with bloody Dorothy and the Tin Man and some guy dressed in a lion, and then they all yeah. run off because the mighty Kevin. What I love is like it sounds silly, but you can definitely tell it's Kevin Nash from his voice. Like, totally, yeah. even though he's younger and stuff, he just yeah. sounds like Kevin Nash. They didn't try to disguise it, and um, so he, he says his little piece, and then like you say Kevin Sullivan just keeps just going, "Welcome to us, welcome to us." Like, could he not have at least said something else? To make it a bit more interesting. Make it clear the guy's called Oz, that's what it was. And then you realise that, wait a minute, uh, why it, could he only afford, like, you know, they went down the bloody fancy dress shop and like, hmm, hey, good morning, good sir. Can you <laughs> tell me how many rubbery-faced old wizard masks you have in stock? <laughs> They're like, sorry, sir, that only comes in one style. Oh, fuck it, they'll just have to both wear the same mask, you know what Fine. I mean? <laughs> We'll just give him a different hat. It'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. No, um, we'll never know. Now, you tell me, who whoever watched that match and went, future world champion there, he'll change the face of wrestling, this. he will. You look at that and you think, oh my God, it's going to be Kevin Nash who will leave WCW, go to WF, team with Shawn Michaels, feud with Shawn Michaels, get the world title, have a cracking match against Bret Hart, leave for WCW again in 1996, but then be the first guy to get a guaranteed down payment on his contract, annual contract. Yeah. 
and that will become industry. standard for wrestling going forward. As much as people have a pop at Nash's wrestling ability and he's kind of like in it for the money kind of thing, people get guaranteed down payments on their annual contracts now purely because of him. I also thought Nash was a decent worker. Yeah, he had to have the right to pull him, but he was he was decent enough in the ring. There's far, far right. worse out there than Kevin and Nash. When you when you listen to him in interviews and you hear him generally comment on podcasts, Kevin Nash sounds like an okay bloke. Oh, I thought mm-hmm. he was great when we went to see him in Glasgow. I thought he was great. That oh, was yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. When he I was at ICW, which Fear and Loathing 9? I think it's Fear and Loathing 9, yes. But what a, what a, like, the whole thing, it just, you're right, went on forever. And the match was three moves in, like, 30 seconds. Just yeah. to just showcase all this. And what I thought was funny is Kevin Nash ended up with the, looking like he does now with his career PS. Yeah, I was going to say, his yeah. head kind of finally matches us, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm just going to look up um, how many matches Oz had. I don't think, I don't think it was many. I think he might do one more pay-per-view, but I could be wrong. Because isn't there like, he, yeah. like, there was a bit of a dispute over money to kind of foreshadow the future? I think that's what I read. Because mm, uh, he was... Oh. oh, actually, the next pay-per-view, he looks like you Finney Vegas. So um, I thought he made another pay-per-view, but maybe he doesn't. I got no. I clicked the wrong button. I went to the Super Brawl the following year, which is Vinny Vegas. He does wrestle on the next pay per view, um, which is the Great American Bash. He does have a match there, but he he loses. <laughs> this is oh, hilarious. No. I can just imagine how this match went because uh, it's our friend Ron Simmons, and he just oh, no. walked up to him, <laughs> looked, stared him up and down with this ridiculous costume on, wouldn't he? Like looked him up and down, like, damn, you know that sort of thing, <laughs> wouldn't he? It says, it says on the um, on the Wikipedia page he was pushed strongly for about a month. Then he was a beat month. by Ron Simmons. Yeah, I thought uh, that was going to be the thing. Yeah, and apparently the Wizards called Merlin. Uh, uh, all plans for Oz were immediately scrapped when Nash refused to sign a three hundred dollar and like guarantee if WCW was cutting costs. A decision was oh, made to retain Nash until a new gimmick could be developed, and that was the Vinnie Vegas one. So See, I can confirm that Oz existed through the rest of nineteen ninety one. Existed. He became Vinny Vegas as of uh, he evolved into Vinny Vegas on the twenty first of January nineteen ninety two in a match against Mr. Thomas Rich at Clash of the Champions eighteen. Beautiful. Well, what wouldn't surprise me with this company if they were just like you know Kevin Nash had to play two completely different characters with you know, no reason to <laughs> well, it together. Like, just you know, sure. I can play Oz and I mean, play this guy um, as well. Yeah, I mean Oz's last match was against Mr. Steve Regal at WCW um, Raw Parator ninety one in Dublin, wow. Ireland. Can I read a small section from I've just found from uh, Ring the Damn Bells blog? Yes, as much of a bust Oz was in WCW, it was a far different story in Japan. According to Kevin Nash, the Oz character was over big, and he never fully understood why. He recalls a time when he walked out to the ring in Japan to face Shinya Hashimoto, and he started hearing a chant of Oza, Oza, Oza. Nash wondered, oh. what the fuck are they saying? Finally, he realized they are saying Oz, 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 and then said, yeah. oh my God, this thing is over here. Unfortunately for Oz, <laughs> Nash had to eventually return to the States, and the gimmick was ultimately dropped, and Nash was repackaged. The Oz character blew away like a tornado in Kansas and disappeared. Go. Beautiful work. But he's just another example of maybe WCW dropping the ball with somebody who's got all the tools and giving them a stupid gimmick. I mean, the list endless. You got uh, Undertaker, Triple H, Mick Foley, Jericho was there for a bit, wasn't he? I'm sure you 
I'm sure there'd be more examples you can think of. Jericho's case, he didn't really have a stupid gimmick, but he had a good he gimmick was that got over. He wasn't but he was, because he was, a, because he was a cruiserweight and a heavyweight obsessed WCW at the time, then he wasn't going to get anywhere. I mean, we see um, Scott Hall as well. Um, come, come help me out. I, I feel I'm missing somebody. I said The Undertaker. I feel I'm missing somebody else. And I just can't Big Show, stupid gimmicks yeah, in WCW. You know, that was more successful to you. Big Show would be another... Well, Big Show was kind of up there, but again, they just didn't use him properly to a degree. Well, Undertaker famously had Ole Anderson tell him that no one would ever pay to watch him wrestle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's why they got rid of him off WCW. Obviously, Austin would be a major one. Although Austin, Austin didn't really Austin, have a gimmick. That's yeah, that's kind of the other guess. That kind of... Sorry, that's who I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, he, he again, he was he he wasn't used properly. He was jobbed out to like Jim Duggan and stuff, and, he, and yeah. they yeah. just couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't get that inner sort of you know character over. Yeah. Obviously, that you could say obviously Stone Cold. Um, you know, while Steve Austin was coming over to the WF in 1995, it is a really proposed name was Chili McWilly or something like that, wasn't it? Chili McFreeze. Chili McFreeze, that was it. Yeah, fucking hell, can you imagine? That sounds like where you get the cinema with your popcorn. You've got Billy Gunn's alternate name of uh, Billy Bitch Kicks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad they went with Mr. Ass. Um... Yeah, well. Did we get to Missy Hyatt? We're we're about to get this. Let's see how backstage and she's about to go into the dressing room. She's really, really excited. Um, So she heads to the dressing room and she finds Terry Terry Taylor. Thanks, like Terry Taylor and Terry Taylor kind of tells her to fuck off without saying fuck off. Um, and then well, she's, she's on... interviewing Terry Taylor and then constantly looking over her shoulder because she's trying to find Tom Zenk in the showers. Yeah. Well, the yeah. question is, Tom Zenk has already established at the start of the show that he's currently out with a torn bicep, so therefore yeah. he can't wrestle. He might so just like why, to shower with other men. Why would he be showering? That's a good point, Al. It's a wrestling show. And, the big, the big clue here to how this segment was going to go was the, the cowboy gear in the top of the left-hand corner. I saw that and immediately went, oh no, we're about to get all action Stan Hansen out the shower. And yeah. we did. In his boxes. Oh, yeah, I, I, I didn't see it coming. I mean, she goes in, she's like, let's use in the shower. I didn't see it coming at all. And he pops out, and I just, I, I just, I thought it was hilarious. I just thought it was so funny. Like, what are you doing here again? I just thought it was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, I didn't see that coming. I thought that was the bro, the best, the best moment in the show for me. Yes, it got a bit sort of politically incorrect in the moment, but that bit. Oh, really you did, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, I think it's a uh, Dusty comes up with a comment of it. Those were the world's most biggest boxing shot. Okay, Dusty. Yeah. It was just like no. Yes, oh, he sort you. of bends her over and starts spanking her as a punishment, <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, things were different it's, in the 90s, you know. Things were very... Mm. I can hear the, the banjos playing in the south. Anyway, mm. um, we now move on to the first of many gimmick matches in the second half of the show. This is, I just noticed there's like a weird trilogy of matches with amazing names that just can't live up to the quality of the name. Is this the Tate well, Fist match? This yeah. is the Tate yeah. Fist showdown. Yeah. Can, oh, can you tell right. me... Can you tell me, like, you know, well, does that mean, like, every match Shawn Michaels had was a tape fist match? Because he would always put the black tape around, wouldn't he? In certainly early Shawn Michaels days. Using WCW logic, yes. <laughs> it's like, you know, is is it's a tape fist. Like, that's not illegal as far as I know. Is it illegal in WCW, like, throwing someone over the top rope? You know, like... Just can't have tape in your fist. For tape fists, yeah. Probably. Um, let's begin another football chat, so take a drink. Uh, because they are going wild about the flying Brian's football career. Absolutely insane for it, isn't he? Oh, he's, he's 
he's nursing a semi when he's doing this. He's so excited to be talking. He loves about his football. It. He loves his football. Um, ZZ Top played Barry Wyndham to the ring. I'm quite sure they did not have the rights for that song, but never mind. You ain't kidding. <laughs> no, no way that's been purchased pro- pro- properly through normal channels. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, this match was good fun. Yeah, there's a, I, I, there's a bit just at the beginning I quite, quite like. He says, uh, I think um, Wyndham's like going to the ropes during a take this showdown, anything goes match, which makes no sense. But Dusty's no. like, don't be crying about the rules, rules left yesterday. Right. Okay. So, yes, okay, they did. Yes. And then, but there's like, you got Flying Brian. Like, uh, he's probably, I would say, pretty much at his physical peak as a flying jumping around guy. Because uh, it's before yeah, his injury, so. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, ninety three four yeah. was his motorcycle accident. Yeah, yes, I think. There's a bit where like Wyndham's going to the top rope and uh, Brian drop kicks him in the face off the top rope, which was quite impressive. Yeah. yeah. And then we go outside. We get blood for the first time. First match of the show, I think. This is the first time someone gets busted open. We do. We do. And this is this is blood for a decent reason, not just because John Moxley is uh, awake. <laughs> just because he's going to the ring. Oh, he's busted <laughs> open. I love him just to go to the ring once and he's already bleeding for no reason. <laughs> well, just like totally <laughs> Sandman it. <laughs> Do you see that video of um, Ibushi after the um, Blood and Guts match yes. just threw himself onto the thumbtacks for no reason? <laughs> Why not? Yeah. He's got Ibushi, he can do what he wants. I, thought someone... I, think, I think that was purely just to send like Jim Cornette into an apoplectic rage, wasn't it, really? Probably, yeah. I saw um, someone put a tweet up because um, obviously in there they announced Ibushi's going to be on the card for the All In show in Wembley. Yeah. Someone like did a picture of the Wembley Stadium thing, and Ibushi's uh, frantically now trying to find if he can get up on top of the arch, do a moonsault off it. Oh, probably. He's going to fly in from there, Alan Shawn Michaels. He's just going to moonsault off the arch, like catch fire when he's heading to the ground, like two fireworks in his hands because why not? <laughs> two hundred and twenty-three meters high. Ibushi would do it. You know, he on would. the top of the yeah. arch. Hashtag what things. I, I I I know this because there was a documentary I saw about base jumping. <laughs> oh, okay. And like okay, illegal wow. illegal base jumping, like get to the top of a building and then before security get you, then jump off and then get yeah. your wingsuit out. And there was a guy who, when Wembley was being upgraded, and the like the, the 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 halo thing was above it and then constructed. He'd worked out that the minimum height you can jump off and still have a chance of landing safely was something like 215 meters, and the top of the arch to the pitch at Wembley was 223. So it would be possible for Bushi to moonsault off it with a parachute. Probably, yeah. I would. I would have to argue though. Either Bushi's going to do it, or either Ray Phoenix or Bendis or Meadows going to do it during Stadium Stampede. God, yeah, I didn't even thought about the stadium stampede up there. That'd be insane. You know, Eddie Kingston's just beating the shit out of John Mott. They'll, those two are going to end up bleeding by the end. Almost positive. Oh, totally. Probably, yeah. Totally. Yes, yeah, so this match is great. Uh, and then the, the finish is Byron Windham just murdering uh, Flying Brown with a superplex. It's yeah, the superplex so looked like fun. Superplex by Windham, but it, with a pinfall. But yeah, but Pillman was hit with a low blow to set it up. Yes, the WWF was. never really seen the low ball much till the Attitude Era, did it? I don't remember oh. seeing it much before the Attitude Era. No, you probably yeah, weren't. Right. Right. It's probably worth pointing out as well. Like as good, like I think this match was quite good, but it only goes six minutes, which is probably like nowhere near as long as it needs to have. We'll get to things that lasted. Uh, yeah, longer well, than the, minute, the but... previous match, like no match has gone longer than ten minutes so far. No, the first match was about Not... just over ten minutes. 
But the Oz yes. match was classed as being 26 seconds, bell to bell. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So we we come to DDP and his harem in the diamond mine, and uh, mm-hmm. this is where we're introduced to a, a strapping young man who I'm sure is going to go and have a fantastic career in the mm-hmm. form of one Mister Diamond Stud, otherwise known as Scott Hall. He's a beefy he, boy when he comes out, isn't he? Yeah, I was going to say he looks an absolute million dollars during this. He looks well, phenomenal. This is pre-drugs, I'm sure. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The pre-drugs, and I'm sure, obviously, he slimmed down a bit for Razor Ramon. But at this point, it's like, holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> it's like, think doesn't um, DDP describe it as hunkasteria? Uh, hunk yes, something like that. Yeah. Apart from asking uh, if he's live before the mics get switched over, yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Diamond Dallas Page is standing by. Let's now go. Please shut up to the Diamond Mind. Shut up, everyone! Please, please, please. Come on. Are we live? That's right, you got Diamond Dallas Page here, chairman of the board of the Diamond Exchange. So the basic premise of the second was is um, DDP is trying to get Scott Hall a fuck buddy. Otherwise, not as a stud it, and they're going to go around the US looking for women who will be able to satisfy uh, the stud. So, um, you know, call them. Yeah, just, it's just so many issues around that, but we'll just move on to that quickly. Enemies, wasn't it? Oh, it really was. We now yeah. move on to the match that made me so angry, I, I don't even know where to begin. Are you referring to the Battle of the Giants stretcher match? I certainly am. So this match is between Sid Vicious and El Gigante. Now, I stretcher match typically, gents, correct me if I'm wrong, only ends when you put your opponent on the stretcher, right? Gary Coppetta does do the rules, and the rules is the loser leaves on a stretcher. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the loser must leave the ring on a stretcher. No, that, 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 no, 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 no. That's not a stretcher match. That is somebody getting put on a stretcher at the end of a match. That is not how a stretcher match works. Ah, but you're missing, Ewan. This is a Battle of the Giants stretcher match. Yeah. <laughs> Suck it. It's the Battle of the Giants makes it a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. Has, um, <laughs> has Sid Vicious ever looked like you didn't care so much? Well, I mean, he's getting ice thrown at him during his entrance, so I wouldn't care either, to be honest. Yeah. El Gigante he almost dropped to the, the stretcher at the beginning because he's trying to like feel it down the ramp it and it nearly falls over. He just can't get it down the ramp. No, so eventually he just picks up and goes, fuck it, I'll just carry it down. Yeah. Wouldn't it not be better if it was Giant Gonzalez versus Sid Justice? I just feel that sounds much better in my head, you know, <laughs> just imagine the pair of them. That is true. I think this match would be better if it didn't exist. <laughs> it is the archetypal... I think the mistake they've made is... They've got a massively green El Gigante who really can't hold the match together himself yeah. to wrestle Sid Vicious, who's supposed to guide El Gigante through this match, but he's <laughs> leaving, right. so he can't give a fuck about it. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm assuming like he was yeah. like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to get injured because I'm going up north. Exactly. So I'm just... going up north. I'm going to Stanford. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm at the time, like, I was a big fan of Sid Justice. So therefore, like, Sid Vicious is essentially the same character. And I was like, you know, he does the knee thing when he gets into the ring. I love that. 
He's billed mm-hmm. as being um he uh, he hails from anywhere he darn well pleases. I like that. <laughs> yes. Oh, the master and the ruler of the world. Yeah, that yes. one's good. Oh, yeah, Love that. Good as well. Yeah, he just looks good, doesn't he? He's good, yeah. It could be worse. It could be worse. They could have got him to do a promo. <laughs> oh dear! I would have taken that over this match, to be honest. When it ends with him getting clawed on the floor, and they count it out, and it's like, yeah, no. the guy was a pinfall. Well, he, he runs into the world's slowest big boot in the corner. He does, yeah, yeah. It's that like is true. Sorry, yeah. And then, and then he gets the claw put on him, and then he gets pinned, and then a little light bulb goes off in Sid's uh, head, I think, because. Um, he obviously asked for his release for WCW to go the WF. Uh, however, he had to put Ellie Gunty over in the stretcher match. And then he's like, oh, wait a minute. The match is over. I'll just walk out. I don't have to go on this stretcher. Oh. I'll just leave. Yeah. I'll do. What are they going to do? I'll just walk you don't out. You get the payoff and the whole purpose of this match. There's no payoff. You're right. But- no, that's it. No, Sid's supposed to leave on the stretcher. And he thinks, well, you know what? I'm done. I'll just walk backstage. I'm just going. I'm off. Because is it one man gang? Kevin Sullivan come out for kind of no apparent oh. reason. Yeah, yeah, they, they just appear and the El Gigante just murders them. It's very nice of Dusty Rhodes to give him a job after the African Dream. So he doesn't hold the grudge, obviously. It's <laughs> humor, not a Very kind of him. And uh, there he is. He's because he he's not long from WFE either. I think six months or something, and he's come back with some very weird eye makeup on. Yeah, yes, and that bit where like um, Gigante tries to lift him up onto the stretcher—that was a bit. That was a dodgy moment and a half. That was. Oh, oh, oh! Don't you worry, because the one-man gang's manager Kevin Sullivan is very handily holding the stretcher to help Ali Gigante <laughs> put him on it. Yeah, he's uh, steady. But Gigante's trying to heave this guy up up because he's clearly like he's really tall, but he's not strong at all. No, he's he's a basketball player. Yeah, apart yes. from his grip strength, clearly he's for holding like... the basketball. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got, you know, he's tall. That's what you need. But, you know, he, he's just, it's really, really weird. I mean, there's probably some sort of weird segment you can have about basketball players in wrestling rings. And, you know, El Gigante would be one. And I would probably say Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman were the other two. That's about it. Oh, well, I suppose, tell a lie. Um, Jacob, because he started on playing basketball, didn't he? True. I believe there's a bit where Giant Gonzalez gets powder in his face and literally mm-hmm. like barely sells it, and that's it. Yeah. And the runoff in it, it's like we're done. Oh no, the one my guy like hits him with a stretcher a few times, uh, uh, and that's it. But if you wondered, don't worry, you get that match at the next pay per view. Oh, oh lovely! God. Maybe we should save oh. that for another day. Where's my pick? <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Okay. Let's go! Oh, Let's go! We- we move on from a case that's a uh, stretch of match with no actual outcome to a Thunder Doom cage yes. match. The oh, third right. match of the Gimmick Match trilogy. The Thunder Doom cage match. It's, it's, it is. It's obviously based on, um, what's it called? Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, isn't it? Uh, be, surely. It looks like a normal cage match to me. So anyway, I'm sitting <laughs> down, sitting down watching it. I've got it. I've got my American flag. I've got my plank of wood. And I'm all ready for it. And there he is, Hacksaw's coming out, ready to ready to battle. And um, it's the wrong Hacksaw. It is the wrong Hacksaw, yes. Wrong I've never heard of him referred to that before. Never heard of Hacksaw Butch Reed. Obviously, I've no. heard of Butch Reed. Never knew that was his nickname. Surely there must be some gimmick infringement somewhere. But, <laughs> but there so. you go. Well, 
Butch Reed apparently leaves not long after this match either. Um, he's like pretty much retired, is he? Yeah, so he hasn't got that much longer to actually do the gimmick anyway. And he's not looking forward to this match, is he? You can just kind of tell, like, I'm not looking forward to this. Well, what this is... Doom, Doom explodes, isn't it? That's what this match is. <laughs> the, the Doom powers explode! <laughs> yes. I think the most upset person in this match is Theodore Long because he's put in a cage that I have significant safety concerns about. <laughs> it's just yeah, I was. I don't know. Matches such and such is going to interfere, so therefore we're going to suspend them in a cage above the ring. Yeah, and you're thinking, they would never, they would never think of dropping something from that cage. I was going to say it's always never. a case of oh, they're just going to. It's just so easy for them to just drop something, and it's like, would you not just not have them at ringside at all in a glass box? Yeah, would they you not the, like ban them from the building? Concrete crypt. Yes. Concrete crypt, yeah. um, oh, <laughs> I mean, I could always think of, you know, stupid like situations where they try and like nullify someone who helps. I can, well, I'm trying to think of them. Was it not that like, China was handcuffed to Sergeant Slaughter oh, and she escapes anyway? No, she didn't <laughs> escape. She just kicked him in the bollocks and then threw powder in Owen's face. Well, that was. Yeah, that was uh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't yeah. do any good. Even though he's the commissioner, you can clearly see that exactly. It doesn't yep. matter. You still won the match. Yeah. And there's another one where was there was Paul was Paul Bearer speaking of Paul Bearer? Was he not in a key? Was that Survivor it's Season ninety six? Oh, that one with Matt. And then at the end, when the, the point of that one was Undertaker was supposed to get five minutes alone and whatever at the end, yeah. And they brought um, Terry Gordy back as the executioner to um, stop that up. I'm just kidding. You know, that was all the mental images that flown through my brain on this one. But anyway, yeah, back to but, this. The main the main two things I took away from this match was apparently Ron Simmons is Burt Reynolds' favourite wrestler. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Sure. It's a well-documented fact, Phil. Yeah. Uh, Jim Ross just will not stop banging on about Florida State football. Yep. I, I, I gave up counting at this point. Uh, you're taking a shot every time he does this, you're dead. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll try to stick in a supercut of him mentioning it right now because it just goes <laughs> on and on and on. Florida State University. It's been documented. He, without a doubt, is Burt Reynolds' favorite wrestler, alumnus of Florida State. They retired Simmons' jersey at Florida State. He was a Sports Illustrated defensive lineman of the year. Reed now biting Simmons. Former Florida State Seminole has got to reach down. It's going to be the fourth quarter for him if he's not careful. I read an article the other day that Bobby Bowden mentioned that Ron Simmons was his first Franchise player at Florida State. A lateral press, but the big man from Florida State will not give it up. They love, he loves a bit of like football, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, he does. It's the way they have, it's the way they invent. Like whenever I watch, I mean, I, I don't watch American football. No idea what the hell it's all about. But it's whenever they mention in wrestling people who play American football, it's always like joined up with some kind of like weird positional name for like American football. So it's yeah, like a linebacker. Tra- linebacker. Provisional nose tackle. What the fuck is that? They're just big lads who kind of get in front of the way of the quarterback. That's basically what they're doing. Yeah, it's like, I've heard a quarterback and all the rest are like, you might as well just say, you know, um, he used to play uh, Dead Seagull for <laughs> Arizona State University. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll accept yeah, that. Cool, cool, cool. Sounds like a thing. Cool, cool, yeah. <laughs> but for like a Thunder Doom cage match, I'm surprised the ref lets them, there's like a breaks a pin when someone puts their foot on a rope. I was just, I've got big capitalists here, a foot on the rope <laughs> in a fucking cage match. And then I'm not sure what, what gets thrown in by Teddy Long. It's like some kind of chain thing. It's a chain. Butch Reed grabs it, misses his swing, and then gets spine busted through the ring. spine busted for three. Yep, and yeah. that's it. 
I mean, it's cool. It's a, it's a cool match. It's like what you want from like a feud. It is kind of like you know, apart but from like the, when it's called know. a Thunder Doom cage match. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I want Thunder. I mean, y- yes, we've got Doom involved. I'll get, I'll, granted, correct, but Thunder implies the cage would be like electrified or something. Yeah, but then we're into like TNA <laughs> territory with like sound effects. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> the lights flickering. This trilogy of like incredibly well-named matches are all terrible compared to the names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they, yeah, they are three matches that do not live up to the billet. But yeah, the first no. one's not bad. Take this showdown. That's probably you, your winner. Take this showdown. You, you're kind of expecting like a blood sport style, like dipping your like tarred hands in glass and all this kind of oh, stuff. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, Battle of the Giants stretcher match, terrible. And then Thunder Doom cage match. Fair enough, but it's just a normal match, really. There's supposed to be like a, a, a blood feud behind it. It never really feels too, you know. It does feel like it could have maybe gone on for a bit longer, being a blood What's that one? I'm sure that, again, match. it wasn't that long. It was nine minutes. I was going to say it's under ten, definitely. The the the, the uh, Battle of the Giant stretcher match was two minutes and 13 seconds. Then this was wow. nine minutes and 39 seconds. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> and then I think we move on to what I think we all agree will be the highlight of the show. Absolutely, we move on to the WCW World Tag Team Championship match: Legs Luger and Sting against the Steiners. It is um, Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Match of the Year, nineteen ninety-one. Well, I, I don't blame Bill after for saying that because this match fucking rules. It was crowd voted, actually. Um, I believe this is the real main event, isn't it? It feels like uh, it. You could probably switch the two matches round, and it wouldn't have affected yeah. the show. Fair, fair. You yeah. do get, like, this gets a video package before the match starts, which is just basically, like, slow-mo footage of the team with some kind of pondering music over the top. I did. I have just. I couldn't remember it until I read my note here going, what the hell is this music video? And then of the, the music from the Car Wars VHS hit, so it's Sting. Fasten your seatbelt for the hottest show on home video, Car Wars. Over 130 spectacular crashes by some of professional racing's top drivers. There's cars, there's bikes, there's trucks, there's even boats. There's never been so much action packed into one home video. Car Wars, all the thrills, all the spills of the fastest, most dangerous sport in the world. And you get to see them in the comfort of your own home. You won't believe your eyes. These are some of the most spectacular crashes ever filmed. Car Wars. Also ask for hockey, the lighter side. Football, hit after hit. Hockey, a time to remember. Or fast cars and beautiful women. The home video of your choice, only $19.99 from K5 International. Anybody else notice that they both have to duck the pyro that's too close to the stage when they walk up? I did notice that, yes. They almost died via pyro. The pyro's terrible and it's too close. Well done, lads. Well done. <laughs> No, it's quite what a crew. I'm a big fan of the style of this match. How Rick Steiner is obviously going to use his amateur wrestling background to kind of try and embarrass Lex Luger as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, <laughs> why not? It's just quite funny. Well, my question is, how long is it till Lex is gassed? Yeah, well, it's a tag match. It's not that bad. Yeah, <laughs> because this match is 11 minutes, so it's the longest one of the cards so far. This one, yeah. it feels longer. I think what it is is because it's got because you've got the kind of Lex and Rick when they're in the ring. It's quite quite um what's the word like a, uh, a deliberate pace to it yeah and then when scott and stink come in like it just kind of cranks up to full gear for a couple of minutes and then it kind of goes back down again but it's really well judged the pace of this match i felt 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a note on here saying, when did a belly-to-back suplex become a German suplex? Um, I a, it's some declare it to the Gorilla Monsoon School of Calling Works. <laughs> yeah, cause I think Rick Steiner does at least two in this match, and it's always yeah. like, kind of, you know, belly-to-back. I was like, when did that become a German? Because it looks exactly like a German suplex. It does. But <laughs> it's like, it what's quite like a bit, like, there's a bit, like, say, you and says about kind of Rick Steiner throwing Lex over the place, and then Rick goes in for, like, a shoulder tackle, and uh, Luger just, like, absolutely smacks him out of the air. Yeah. It's yep. like, I'm tired of your nonsense. Just go lie you over know, there for a minute. You know these four have no problem laying into each other, because everyone knows they can take it, and I think these two teams get on quite well. Totally, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it shows... Um, this match again goes in the category of horribly overbooked finishes because for some bizarre reason the key to call off makes an appearance near the end. Like it's a, it's a real big shame because like so up until that point it's a cracking match. Yeah, yeah, it is really good. You got Stinger, Stinger, sound like like a massive um, dive to the outside. There's all kinds of like Lex is doing. Lex is uh, this is probably one of the best Lex matches we've done. I would say. Uh, that's yes. Oh, easily, easily. I mean, yeah. no, like Lex gets a lot of like sort of barbed flung his way mm. you know for not being a you know he wasn't a fan of the business before he started he only got into the WF because they wanted him for the bodybuilding and that caved in so they had to get him back as a wrestler blah blah mm-hmm. kind of, but to be honest again you know we are talking about Kevin Nash earlier on it's like Lex always comes across as a good dude yeah I yeah. agree you know? he deserves mm. Hall of Fame and it's, yeah he deserves Hall of Fame definitely I don't know I know they're always kind of, they don't say it, but I think they're always a bit against putting people in the Hall of Fame when they're not like, you know, physically able Co- to sort of, yeah. I'm going to try to word this, you know, they they have detrimental, uh, you know, they're, they're, it looks like their wrestling career has taken a lot out of them kind of thing. Totally, you know? yeah. It's yeah. the reason why for ages they didn't want Jake the Snake being in the Hall of Fame because they were worried about if he turned up, you know, you know cause off his face. If it, if it were to he, he yeah, exactly. But that was it. But I mean, you know, when you got Lex, who's had a spinal stroke and is, you know, I th- is he still in a wheelchair now? I want to say yes. Because he wasn't, yeah. So if you have like Lex Luger here, yeah, hey, I really enjoyed my rescue at the Hall of Fame in a wheelchair. I think. Not the best image, is it? Rightly or wrongly, they think that's not the image they want it to It does feel like he'll be a so. posthumous entry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which isn't great. Because, like, you know, he did like his time with like Flair and Sting in the kind of late eighties. Mm-hmm. That gets like really kind of good reviews, and like his position on the card is like the kind of I think he, he's one guy who kind of suffers from being like flip flop between heel and face a bit, probably a bit too much. Yeah, it's a little bit. Well, it's it's, it's something that stayed with him throughout his career when he went to the WF because obviously yeah. he was like essentially just plucked out of nowhere, you know, as the narcissist, you know, because they needed someone to replace Hogan for an all American mm. hero. And suddenly, yeah. two weeks after hitting people illegally with his forearm with a steel plate in, he's like, oh, he slammed Yokozuna on the intro. America's oh, hero. America's yeah. hero, Luger. Yeah. You know, but him, like, we... having him in this match as the kind of power guy with Sting as the kind of jumping around guy, like, it's a really good team they've got it together. Works. It works really well. Hmm. Well, yeah. of course, the, the ending came when Sting couldn't bear to see Luger getting hit with, um, was it called off strain? But if it's anything like the clothesline he gave you, I have nothing to worry about. He had a chain this time, didn't he? He had a chain on his hand this time, though. He's very courageously pushed Luger out the way to take the blow himself. Even though it's like really badly shot and he can't quite see it happen. But, you know, we'll trust what Jim Ross has in commentary. Ever the sportsman just pinned him anyway. Pinned him straight away. Before we move on, I'm going to throw a surprise out there. This one's actually for Mr. Phillips. 
I have just put in the chat a link to an article that I believe Cameron will find very amusing. And it, it involves Mr. Luger. And all of the reviews when Cameron clicks on the link and reads the headline. Yes! I always loved Luger. I always loved him. What a dude. What a dude. What's the headline, Cameron? <laughs> I'm reading it. Wrestling legend Lex Luger reveals links to Lanarkshire as he shares his love of Rangers Football Club and British football. <laughs> Both of his maternal grandparents were born and raised in Coat Bridge. I've been yep. sitting in this article camera for two weeks since I found it. That's this no yeah, that's why you had the red, white, and blue. <laughs> exactly. You know what yeah, what I love is that the picture for the for the article is him <laughs> thinking he wins the Samovar trophy at SummerSlam. Yeah, it is, it is. Yep. I mean we should have guessed of course he's Scottish because he never won anything. Oh, oh. oh. Big zings from Jordy Allen last time. Oh, we never get that mentioned. We know whenever you get like famous Rangers fans, it's always like, uh, Marty Pello. Uh, <laughs> this is Arbel. You're Lex Luger. <laughs> you are welcome, Cameron. Oh, that is brilliant. That is fantastic. Oh, yes. They need to get him at Ibrox. Get Luger at Ibrox. Cool, Lex Brooks. We have wheelchair ramps at Ibrox. I don't know. Yes, yes, we have. Like, you know, accessibility stands and things like that for, you know, disabled supporters. I don't know what sort of things they have at Rugby Park for these people, but, you know. <laughs> so, Lex Luger is a Rangers supporter. He's now Cameron's favourite wrestler of all time. Yeah, he is. Yeah, 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 he's gone way beyond him. You know, Bret Hart yeah. doesn't say anything about Rangers. Yeah, Lex Luger does, yes. <laughs> if Bret Hart said anything about Rangers, it would just be that he's a better champion. Probably, <laughs> yeah. You have to carry them through their championships. You know, yeah, oh. see... Uh, Tony's. T- uh, we mentioned about Tony Schiavone backstage with Koloff, and then Sting just kind of just jumps him. And they have a big massive brawl out to the parking just, lot. Yeah, Sting just brutally assaults this man. Just trying to do a normal interview. Sting just jumps him for no reason whatsoever. Sting and Nikita are on fire out in the back. Says yeah. Dusty. I mean, just cut away from it because we've got to get to the next match. He's booking his next match with that. They're on yeah. fire. You say. Mm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> The flaming scorpion death match. There you go. God, I can imagine that right oh, now. Wait, I've got to. I've got to interrupt you for this. You're oh. right. The next pay-per-view, Great American Bash, we get Sting vs. Koloff in a Russian chain match. Oh, no. Not just it. You couldn't have any American chains. No, 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 no. 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 Stinking yeah. Russian I hope, I chains. I hope it was imported and everything. You know, I hope that verified it wasn't the Russian <laughs> yeah, chain. Like a, pr- a promo video of the guy making the chain. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so we in time for the WCW Television Championship. It is Arn Anderson defending against Bobby Eaton. Well, we don't know that for sure because Gary Corpett has got Paulie's mic from earlier, hasn't he? Nothing works. Nothing works. I've got the note on here saying, oh God, more audio shit. Ladies and gentlemen, the World Television Championship is next. Let's go back up to Gary Capetta. Yes. Once we get past the audio issues, this Arn Anderson's a really good wrestler. He's really good. Arn Anderson's a good wrestler. Bobby Eaton's a fantastic wrestler. To get, I enjoyed great. this match. I really yeah. enjoyed this one. There's yeah. some great touches in there, this man. Half halfway through, I've got this is good, slow but good slow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's methodical. It's it's moving along at a slow pace, but it's still an acceptable pace because you can see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's a great bit. Like I, I, quite at the beginning, where like Arn just keeps doing turnovers on Bobby Bobby Eaton, and just then he just like hits him right in the face and 
Han just kind of goes flat, like this, like a complete flat oh, up on it. It's brilliant. The look, the look in Han's face is just like, you bastard, I don't think you had it, yeah. you? <laughs> just bang, down he goes, brilliant. It's just, these two guys, I think, I'm sure they worked together at house shows, but this was they just... They must have done, because oh, especially yeah. like, um, smooth, rock man. and roll must have gone up against like, um, the, oh, Arn and Oli Anderson or Arn and Telly at <clears> some point, surely. You would think so. It, this is just a masterclass in yeah. how to do it. Yep. Um, Especially when you've, we've passed the trilogy of terrible, <laughs> we're moving on to the business end of the show. Yeah. And this, this for me is probably one of the, the big highlights of the show. Totally, yeah. yeah. This is just great. It's like on doing his, um, he's on, he's doing some kind of leg thing and he's getting some leverage off the ropes because he's a dirty cheating bastard. Yep, yep. And then gets his head bounced off all of the turnbuckles for his for his you know, for his behaviour. Yep. Bobby selling the leg. Yeah. He sells that so well. Then there's a, yep. there's a bit where I think Anders goes to do like an accent off the top rope and Bobby hits him in the stomach and Anders like a front flip on his back. Yeah, he just, he just flips over completely, yeah. It's, yeah, because uh, the power, the power of the abdominable punch was just ridiculous. Yeah, what happened is somebody was in the back and went, when's the last time we had some interference in the match? <laughs> oh, it's been a little while. Uh, somebody... I've got nothing. Who, yeah. What can we do? Where's Barry? Out? I've got nothing, nothing for this. Uh, come on, find two guys just to go out for no reason. Barry, Barry, go, go, go. Yeah, Barry yeah. Wyndham comes out for no reason. Are we supposed to believe they've been fighting since they finished the match? Um, Barry, what's it? Can call him Barry Pillman there. Barry <laughs> Wyndham and Brian Pillman. <laughs> are, we, are we supposed to believe they've been they've been fighting for the last half an hour? Just Pretty much, the yeah. Arena? There's just Probably. for no reason. The brawl down the stage just to distract everybody. It, 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 yeah. was, it was a bit silly, wasn't it? Barry comes strolling out to the ring really slowly, then like Flying Brian just jumps on him, and they get them, they doesn't even make it into the ring, do they? They, they get nearly oh. into the ring. <laughs> and then they kind of the, get, they uh, fight their way back to the, back to the, uh, the backstage area. The finish is also kind of fucked up with WCW production values by the fact that I've got here, Eaton yeah. goes up for the Alabama Jam, uh, comes down, Flying Brian and Wyndham uh, appear, the jam connects, but the camera cuts to Brian and Barry, the, the, the apex of the three yeah, count. We don't, we yeah. don't want to see a free count. We don't care, Bob. Don't yeah. want to see the win. Good, yeah. good match, but that last shot fucking ruins it. Yeah. That, that's up there with uh, missing the uh, submission in a War Games match. Well done, AEW. Well done. <laughs> mm. Right. So oh, let me know when we're on the main event because I need to give my rant at the start. Of Quick that. note about um, Bobby Eaton wins the TV title for the first time. Do you know who he drops it to in 10 days' time? Uh, oh, Dustin Rhodes. Nope. Uh, uh, Matt, Matt mm-hmm. um, the One Man Gang. Um, nope. Join me back. Oh, nope. Are they on this Damn. card? No, they're not on the show at all. Jesus. Oh. Are they debuting soon? But in 10, days, in 10 days' time after this pay-per-view, he drops the belt to stunning Steve Austin. Oh, okay. Oh. Who, who then retains the belt for about a year, I think, from what this is like his big run with the TV title. Right. There you go. Hmm. We are, it is now almost time for the main event. Before that, Tony Schiavone is going to try and, for some reason, peep in on Tatsumi Fujinami's dressing room, where he's uh, met by Hiro Matsuda, who basically tells Tony Schiavone, fuck off, we're taking the belt back to Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least Stan Hansen was dead there. So, the main event for the world, for, the, <laughs> for reason, I wrote this out in full, I don't know why I did it in hindsight, for the World Championship Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship, that just sounds terrible, make any sense. Um, but it is the 
WCW World Champion Ric Flair defending against the IWGP Heavyweight Champion Tatsumi the Dragon Fujinami. Al, are you wanting to rant now or at the end? No. Right. Go for it. Now, Go. I don't care. I, I'm sure, listen, I don't care what you say, this is a terrible main event. Absolutely terrible. Yes, the wrestling's passable good. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. It's mm-hmm. the fact is nobody knows who this guy is. Yes, you know, wrestling elites or whatever, the Joe Blogs or whatever watches this match have no idea who this guy is, and they believe there is absolutely no chance that this guy is taking the title. Hence, this is a dead main event, an absolute deader-than-dead main event, and it would have been much better putting this on earlier and putting the Steiners match on last. would have made far more sense uh, than this. Yes. That is a very fair criticism. I I did like the fact that there were clearly signs in the crowd that were handed out to fans because the, yeah, the Japanese know, ones, like, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, just Dusty Rhodes thinks there were all swear signs in Japanese. He says on commentary, doesn't he? <laughs> he does a bad thing. <laughs> he thinks they're all Japanese. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, yeah, they're going to write Japanese slurs in Japanese. No, they're not. But thanks for trying, Dusty. The, like this one again suffers from like weird production issues at the beginning because Matsuda, uh, sorry, Fujinami walks to the ring. As he's doing that, they zoom in on the other end of the ramp where yes. there's like the people assembling for Ric Flair's entrance. <laughs> That's after the world's crappest two little bits of red pyro, yeah. which I think they, misfired. They cut away from that, then cut back to there. The Ric Flair stood there with a chef and yeah, a lady a with chef, a tray who I takes mean, his Rolex. Personal chef, isn't it? I mean, I was kind of asking, why the hell does he need his chef with Yeah. Him? And then he hasn't even got his music. Unless he's going to have like a last minute, like, you know, chicken volivant or something like that. <laughs> it surprised me if that was going to be his tag team partner. Hang on. Match, you know. One second. One second. Cameron, can I oh, ask why you went for a chicken volivant there? I don't know. It was the first thing that came to my head. <laughs> it's tight and sophistication. Of all the choices, a chicken volivant, that just intrigues me. I don't know. It was just like the, I'd like chicken drumstick was good. It was on the tip that of my would tongue. Be, yeah, you wouldn't have that on that was, tray, would you? Like, you would never no, have that on that tray. No, it's like when you're not going to have Ric Flair just kind of walking down the ring, like you know, kind of like um, you know, berserker style, like you know, just <laughs> you are now with his championship leg. wings. <laughs> but then, oh yeah, and then but you know, but then I was like chicken, and then I was like, think of a foreign word. <laughs> 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 that was an insight into the camera Phillips's mind. <laughs> Sorry, you know. Usually, I'll say when I, when I write stuff, I have time to edit it. Boy, I was, I just, I was I'm sorry. I just wanted to explore that for a second. Uh, yeah, so Rip Flair comes out to the wrong music. Yeah, he does. He doesn't doesn't get the yeah yeah. yeah. Um, the refs are now wearing a proper shirt because this is an international match, I guess, for some reason. Well, it's um, um Ty, it's Tiger Hitori, isn't it? Yeah, and then Bill Alfonso is the US ref, who we all know is going to call it right down the middle. So that's fine. Yeah, thankfully doesn't have a fucking whistle. Thankfully. And then it's just like a lot of chopping and stuff, isn't it? it yeah, they basically just chop the shit of each other. It's not necessarily a bad match, you know. There is a couple of miscommunications. Yeah, it's a good match. It's yeah. a good match. Like you say, it's two silence. Nobody nobody yeah. knows. It's like, can you imagine WE if they, like, I don't know, headlined SummerSlam with Hogan against, you know, somebody that could grab, it doesn't have to be Japanese, but some wrestler that wasn't built up and melt, meant nothing to the, the, the target yeah. audience. Let's just say, let's just say, here you go, SummerSlam 89, Hulk Hogan was against Big Daddy. Now, in England, <laughs> wow. in England, that's that would a be match amazing. That would be wow. absolutely amazing in England. But yeah. in America, would anyone care? 
You know, he's already yeah. beaten Andre the so, Giant with this large Englishman causing him any bother. You know. Shall we imagine that at Survivor Series this year, Roman Reigns defends the WWE title against Takeshi Morishima? You see, again, different age, in internet age, everyone looks stuff up, watch matches, that sort of thing. It can't really be applied to this day and age, I don't believe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something very offensive. I do apologize in advance, but this is how I imagine most of the audience in attendance in 1991. This is probably what a lot of them were saying. I don't know who this Jap fella is, but he can wrestle. <laughs> Probably, no, yeah. no, I, th- I think that's kind of, you know, like the, maybe the we've already had bloody Stan Hansen assaulting that woman before, so it kind of is the level of what people would be... Um, it's, it's, uh, put a, it's put across as, you know, we can't have the title fallen into Japanese hands. It is very yeah. much boo the Japanese foreigner. It's it's, 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 it's all, it all over again, isn't it? Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's... But Flair, is Flair not the heel in the match? That's another reason. So. Like, Flair's the heel... So they don't want to, you know, support this because he's, you know, again, that was a gimmick they did back in the 80s and 90s. Evil, evil foreigner has to be the mm. bad guy. Years of, well, they've even saw the Russians bloody been bad guys earlier on in the card, haven't they? So yeah. the evil, yeah. you know, the foreign guys are always the bad guys. And, and yeah, so who they're supporting, they don't really want Flair to win, but they don't want Japan to win. So so it's it's a bizarre situation to be in for a main event. It does feel like yeah, you you would probably want Sting in, this, in like in this main event. Mm, yeah, because you could probably yeah. push like you know you could come out with the US face paint and that sort of stuff, mm. and it will probably kind of you probably push that angle a bit better, so it will kind of compensate well, for yeah, the, the not who the other guy is. Want to cheer for the baby face, you know? Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because uh, well, on the reports on this match, they did say that you know obviously Flair was like the despised WCW heel up until the point where he has to defend America's honor against Japan. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the same thing again when Lex slammed uh, Yokozuna, wasn't it? You know, he's the bad guy until he does yeah, something yeah, good. But like, we've not like, got that moment oh, as far as I can tell for this match. A, really. He's a narcissist who loves looking at himself and then hits people with steel forearms. You know, that's yeah. illegal. Jack he's a narcissist, but them. he loves blah, America. Blah, blah, that's blah. fine. And then all of a sudden, he turns up and slams a Japanese guy. Oh my God, he's America's savior! Let's get yeah. him on the bus. And let's have some balloon parades when he wins the Samadra Trophy, but tell him yep. afterwards he hasn't really won it. And then he blends in just like his Scottish heritage of never winning anything. Right. Go for it. He's going in hard tonight. I've got two big dusty highlights for this match. Okay. Uh, there's a beginning bit where I think Fujinami's got um he's working on the, he's got like a leg hold on Ric Flair. And Dusty Rhodes is like, Oh yeah, it's still gonna hurt your back. Uh, from right below the butt kiss to the neck kiss. Oh, okay. And then he drops in like probably like one of the best humble brags I've ever heard. Where it's later on where Fujinami's got the got Rick Flair in the in the octopus. I know this is going. And uh, Desi's like, oh yeah, that hold really hurts because like Tony Inoki had it on me one time and it really hurts. Yes, but I'm gonna tell you what, Rick Flair knows. I know what it's like. I've been in it, and Tony Inoki had it on me. All right, Dusty, calm down. Oh, yeah, all right, Dusty, stop trying to thingy for the next pay per view. You against Anuki, uh, that'll be the next pay per view match. Oh, You're yeah, not wrestling, that... Dusty. You're not wrestling anyone. Stop saying it. Simon Noki had me in the same hold. It's Do like, you want an actual date of that match? Go on, then. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Noki versus Dusty Rhodes was on the 1st of November 1979 in New <laughs> Japan. So, just to let you know, if you want to watch it, it is on. Uh, I don't think it's on YouTube, but I have just found it on Daily Motion. The, the hold hurt so much over ten years later. He still remembered about it. 
I don't know actually who won. I think it might have been Inoki. Well, it wasn't in America because we could the American dreams winning in America, isn't he? So totally, yeah. But yeah, that was that was that was some humble break from Dusty there. That was. All right, Dad. <laughs> Calm down, Dad. Yeah, sit down. Put the beer down. So this match again has dusty bullshit finishes all over it because Tiger Hattori gets bopped and Flair gets a surprise cradle on Fujinami and Bill Alfonso's there for the one, the two, and the three. And to the surprise of absolutely no one in attendance, Ric Flair retains the World Championship. Totally. But again, it's like the the roll up they do, like Flair nearly kind of goes too far and then he kind of slips out the back of the of it, so he can't quite get his legs underneath him to push. Yeah. onto the ref, and then like he does a real big tight sport, doesn't he? And we we see the whole of the moon when Fujinami goes down. We do. Why, yeah. did a, why did you need a ref bump again? Was it an excuse maybe for? Was it an excuse for when the other guy went back to Japan that he could see an American know. ref? Maybe yeah. Because it, it it's the sort of stupid thing that they would do. It's not you know. To me, about the finish is you get the pin. Ric Flair's the winner. Mm-hmm. Gary Carpenter announces the winner as being Ric Flair. Yep. Mm-hmm. You get some pyro on the stage at the far end. Yeah. But Flair's already left the building. He's already gone. He's oh, walked he's out. Left. Yeah, I was gonna I've got it on the notes here. Flair's fucked off. So they yeah. announced the winner to basically an empty arena who are all kind of leaving the the building to go yeah. out to get into to get to their cars. Yeah. With a big pyro going off, but literally no kind of like there's no kind of big shot of Flair holding the belt up with a pyro behind him or anything. It's just like he's gone. He's left. I think that I think the pyro wasn't actually meant to go off. I think somebody sat on the button and the pyro went off by accident. Yeah, so we just get Jim Ross and Dusty doing like a wrap up, which is like really awkward because you can see people shuffling out of the arena behind them. Yeah, it, it does. It does have that WCW kind of like meandering ending. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You want that kind of big kind of climax finish with like the when they're holding up the belt, but now you don't get it just all here. You just get the end credits. No. Apparently, so Dusty Rose had five assistants during this. I'm not quite sure who. And then at the end, it's like in the thanks segment, it says Anna Leathers. Congratulations, Craig and Amy. So well done, Craig and Amy. Well done, to Craig and Amy. Yeah, whoever whoever they might be. Congratulations yeah, to yeah, them. Yeah, I saw that at the bottom of the credits. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations <laughs> to them. I've just done a quick uh, search of the table, and the highest WCW show we have at the moment is number twelve for the Beach Blast '92. I think you're looking at the wrong end of the table there, Ewan. Yeah, I think so as well. Now the question is: Is this show worse than Battleball Lethal Lottery? No, it's better than that. Is it better than WCW Greed? Yes, I would say so. Okay. Is it better than WCW World War Three, nineteen ninety five? In absolutely. Okay. Halloween Havoc ninety four. I don't remember much about Halloween Havoc ninety four. Was that the one with Mr. T in it? No, no, no Starkey, yeah, sorry, Mr. T, I think. That was Starkey. I personally enjoyed it. I think they had a good mix of of squash like matches, seri- uh, serious running, matches, uh, a terrible good wrestling, and, um, and some completely <laughs> daft lunacy crazy shit. I think yeah. the Sting, Luger, and Steiner match is worth the admission price to watch it. The Arn Anderson and um, Bob Eaton match is cool. Uh, the main event's fundamentally sound from a wrestling standpoint. It's just a little bit kind of like of a damp squib ending at the, at the end of the show. Didn't really need to be the main event, I don't think. I think you could have just had the tag match as your main event. There's a couple of highlights. I mean, the second half of the... And it, yeah, and it contains Oz. It contains, you know, which is obviously the, the, the one thing they always refer back to Kevin Nash. It contains the debut of Scott Hall, uh, the debut of John Wee Bad and Mark Merrow. 
there's a lot to look back on historically in this show for me. I'm just googling what uh, Halloween Havoc '94 had on it. Uh, Halloween Havoc '94 was the main event of Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair in a cage with Mr. T as the special referee. Oh, oh, I knew Mr. T was somewhere in it. (laughs) Yeah, that was. um, Sorry for me, it's got Mr. T, so this can't be better than that. Sorry. (laughs) It's going between World War Three and Halloween Havoc, then, is it? Which means WCW. uh, I forgot the name of the show. That's bad. Thank you. Super Bowl 1, uh, Return of, from the Rising Sun is the 41st best pay-per-view of all time. Nice. So, with that said, Al, you were asking who has the next pick. I think, unfortunately, or scarily, you are the next pick, Al. Oh, God. Really? <laughs> Oh, yes. I, I so didn't pick this. Right, so just... just Right, so we're saving my idea that we won't disclose much for the round table. Is that right? Yes, we'll save that for Christmas. Oh, Christmas? Is that the next round table? Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. Merry Christmas to you all. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Right, so, uh, I, just, so I, I, right, I um, I came into this not thinking of a pick. I can tell you we're not prepared, Al. Um, no, because I did the uh, thingy not that long ago, didn't I? I did the... Um, the main of the big event. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. Give me a second and uh, talk amongst yourselves, and we'll find something there. I bet Where's it's going to be a tournament. He's going to go Survivor Series '98. <laughs> the, the question is, um, what, what what would you like? Would you like something with variety? Um, something with a tournament? <laughs> I want um, a pure Allen pick. I want a pure Al pick. That's what I, want. Yeah, I want something Al. I want something Al pick. We all heard that, Cameron. I'll make sure Sorry. that's boosted up in the audio when I do the edit. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, sir. <laughs> I don't want an L pick. I don't want an L pick. Right. Um, right. Okay. So let's 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 have a think. Um, I love how it's just like completely thrown on. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm all, all my years of wrestling knowledge. Uh, if we count to ten and he's not decided anything, can we just move well, on to someone well, else? You know what? Ten? I think I, I, I've been having this one on the list for a while. Um, I, think, I think it's time. I think I don't think I'm pretty sure we've not done this before. I think we'll get some mileage out of it because there's uh-huh. maybe two good matches on the card. It's it is it, it's great. It, it's famous for a couple of reasons. It's oh catapults somebody's career. It's an example of the finest art of commentary you've ever seen. And oh I'm going to finish this off by just asking, Cameron, how much do you weigh? Oh, oh no. no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh, oh Jesus! You asked for a tournament. I give you King of the Ring. We've done 94. We've done 93, have we? We've done 93, definitely, haven't we? I don't remember doing 94. I feel there'll be a lot of mileage from 94. Okay. Because we are getting to that stage now in this podcast, which, by the way, I think we've actually been doing nearly 10 years. Um, Yeah. Yeah, 2014 was the first show. April 8th, 2014, yeah. We'll have a 10-year celebration somewhere, don't we? We'll have to throw the birthday. WrestleMania 10 for the 10 years, yeah. Because well, it was either going to be nine for the last one, wasn't it? Or we have to do WrestleMania 17 for the birthday show. Yeah, oh, no, that's far too good. 
<laughs> yeah, Tommy was doing a good one. It does feature the Bushwaggers. Um, like actual... <laughs> there you but go. Just bear in mind, if we do WrestleMania 17, it's more than likely going to go to number one. I mean, WrestleMania has oh, yeah. been sitting there for 10 years, so, you know. Probably, yeah, 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 yeah. It definitely would. Yeah, oh, the only King of the Ring we've done course, is 93, definitely. Of course, I'm, I'm telling lies because next time King of the Ring 94 is going to go to number one, so. Is it going to go to number one? Is it? going to go to number right. one? <laughs> It? I mean, it's going to go number one in our hearts. Whether in our that's hearts. good thing or a bad thing, we'll find out. Oh, I see what you did there, Ewan. I see what you did there. I applaud. I applaud. Hey, thank you. What What we need is we need a competition. And we, we have to count and see if we get the same answer. How many times the guy asked the famous question? Was it? Who was it again? Was it? Art Donovan. Art Donovan, I was going to say, yeah, right, Art Donovan. How much does this guy weigh? How many times he says, how much does he weigh? <laughs> it's going to be at least 50. Oh, oh, I have I have, a, I have, a request for you. It's going to be a bit of work, but can you do a super call every time Art Donovan asks? Oh, I was going to say, I'm going to end up doing that, I? I'm going to have to do that now. Son of a bitch. So there you go, King of the Ring 1994, coming next month. Nice. <laughs> Oh, so okay, I remember it being not bad. I mean, you got. I remember it being oh, you, okay. Well, you got a very good title match between uh, Diesel and Bret Hart. So I guess I was say, it's the first Diesel Bret Hart one, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, it carries on to show what Kevin Nash could do. I like the fact yeah. that King of the Ring match, final match, is not the main event. <laughs> yes, the, the, the no. main event is a dog. The main event's pretty bad. So yeah, I'm quite looking forward to this. But the, this the, the tournament one. itself features some quite possible. Matches. To be fair, I think this one's pretty decent. To be fair, you know what, like. Yeah, you've got that main event, which isn't very good. But the rest yeah. of the cards, quite good. I don't think there's any real stingers of matches in there. I mean, I'm there's Mabel, gonna... Mabel versus gonna... IRS, but... Wow, okay. I'm not going to complain about Owen Hart versus the one 2 I'll take that. No, that'll be... That was good. It's weird. I've got, like, no recollection of this pay-per-view at whatsoever. I... I think it'll be a good one. I think I went round to my mate Chris's house to watch this after school on the Monday. I don't know if it's this one or the one after, but this is this is not long after we get Sky in the house. Yeah, I think I remember going to Chris's house after school, and I remember sitting watching this show and eating hot dogs, and we got a row off his mum because uh, one of us power bombed the other one off his couch. <laughs> well, in which case, Cameron, it's set up. You've got to get this Chris on the podcast next time round, and you've got to eat some hot dogs and prefer when we get his mum round as well. I mean. <laughs> It's all wow. set up for the next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great. That was a combination of words, and that was. Yeah. Your pal Chris, hot dogs, dogs, and his mum. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I can maybe arrange that. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get sexy next one. And to... also, uh, by the time we record the next show, we would have had the largest wrestling show uh, of all time, or whatever. Um, would have been, would have been done, wouldn't it? As me and you were discussing before we started the record, probably one of the most poorly booked shows. <laughs> well. Has anything been booked for it yet? Yeah, but uh, you're getting all the matches within like the last week. We're suddenly like, oh yeah, Wembley, oh, Wembley, Wembley. Yeah, yeah, and uh, also one of the semi-main events is probably now off because one of the participants is currently in a Florida jail on a armed uh, assault charge. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they forget is as though Wembley had the the thing for the record or like. They believed it was 
more likely that Wembley had the record than WrestleMania 3 had the record at the time. Yeah. And yes, it's nice to pack people in. But one of the charms from that was at least having a very, very solid main event in Brett versus Bulldog. I mean, on, on paper as well as in the ring. And Savage Warrior, again, was a very strong match on paper as well as some other good stuff on the undercard. Yeah. That's what sold the pay-per-view as well as it being in Wembley. But have we got much of that same scenario here or not really? Uh, that's what's Cameron. This 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 show has been AEW in general's been very poorly about this last year, but the fact that they've they're basically relying on oh we've got the massive crowd, yeah, you're gonna give them an absolutely shake show. Similar to the Cardiff thing, wasn't it? It was like um WE maybe poked that pay-per-view a bit more than what it was. It was a glorified house show. And yes, I yeah. know the guys worked really hard to put on decent matches, but it mm-hmm. didn't really have that it didn't have that main event. It, yeah, you had Drew McIntyre against Roman Reigns, but at the end of the day, it was he's Scottish, he's not Welsh. It didn't really have that. <laughs> yeah, it didn't quite really work. You know? Guys, I'll be back in like five minutes, okay? <laughs> All right. I think we're wrapping up anyway, we're not. I thought we yeah, were, yeah. yeah. I thought we stopped recording and stuff, haven't we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Should we just go? It's like a WCW show, it's slowly dwindling. <laughs> the crowd are leaving. <laughs> Should we all just go that you and come out by himself? They retired Simmons' jersey at Florida State. 